the sea was a triumph. We're making a note here, huge success. We really can't overstate our satisfaction. We're the first person shooter. You made what you did because you can. For the good of all of us, except the ones who can't shoot. But there's no sense crying over every small flaw. We'll just keep on flying till we run out of law. And cannon does stuff, and Gallet has fluff for the people who still play the game. We are a bit angry We're being so sincere right now Even though you retcon things, poor Halsey And got rid of VR And threw all the law into a fire As it burned it hurt because it was important to us But the FDF share price makes a beautiful line And you did an alpha then released it on time And Obsidian and is a beat But he can't cheer up the people who still play the game We don't like the grinding I think we'd prefer to play outside Maybe you'll find someone else to fix this Maybe that's Yamix That was a joke, haha, fat chance Tea and Nizzler's graveyard We're still waiting for that there's that Armstrong moment, Jax isn't there too When we look at EDO, the LOD is not cool I'm knocking engineers at the bar, there's no beers For the people who still play the game And believe us, we still play the game We like exploring and we still play the game We love our spaceships and we still play the game we love the lore and we still play the game We like good frame rates but we still play the game Play the game Play the game Hello, hello and welcome to Elite Week Woo! Episode 83 Galactic Water Cooler Elite Crisis Point With me, as always, is my main man Roy Say hello to the beautiful people, Roy, and tell them what you're drinking Happy Friday, everyone. Uh, glad you're here with us. I also am having some refined distilled beverage, uh, 620's wheat whiskey called Old Money. I, I, I would characterize it as follows. It uh, develops nice, nice viscous legs after a swirl. <laughs> On the nose, it's slightly fruity and sweet. Taste is light and crisp with notes of caramel and vanilla. Overall, very enjoyable. Yeah, and for me, if I drink a lot, the room starts to spin. Uh... Also with us tonight is the tactical officer, Tweet74. Say hello, Tweet. Hello, everybody. It's going to be a fun show tonight. As usual, we got some things to discuss. Some things happened. Some things didn't happen. We're going to get into it. Hell yeah. And uh, we've got 
tactical officer for or XO for the uh, uh, Black Sky Legion, Wolf Dragon. Say hello, Wolf. Hello, hello, everyone. I too have my bottle of six and twenties old money here. It is delicious. Hell yes. And we have two special guests tonight. The first is Commander Juki of Fly Dangerous. Say hello to the beautiful people. Happy Friday, everybody. I hope you're all having a lovely evening or early morning, depending on where you are. And because it is quite an early morning in the civilized world, mm. I am on a blend of Highland Park Dragon Malt Whiskey and Black Coffee. Oh, that's, that's a good woman right there. And our second kiss tonight is Commander Aaron of the uh, Elite Pilots, Aaron Starr of the Elite Pilots Manual. Say hello, Aaron. Hello, beautiful people. I'm in the uncivilized world over here, just enjoying some uh, Johnny Walker Black Label. Hell yes, Colonials for the win. All right, we have got a lot to get to tonight. Right off the bat, I want to go ahead and give a shout out uh, to uh, Commander Katie Byrne of Skunk Works for our uh, cover art tonight, Titan Concept cover art. Our opening song was Play the Game, the parody song by my friend Drew Wagar. I, I messaged him this morning and I was like, hey, Drew, uh, can we use your uh, song for the opener? And he was like, oh, that'd be lovely. And then I was like, dude, we got to do an interview. And he's like, yeah. So we've been having a hard time because pretty much the only time he's available is Saturdays, and that's a rough time for me. But we're going to figure it out, and we're going to get an interview on the books with Drew because uh, we both want to do it. So, yeah, that's going to happen. Um, and then our closing song will be, and, and let's just, I, I'm going to say this now because I've heard from commanders that it's like, hey, man, it's kind of rough sometimes when my kids are around. Don't have your kids around for the closing song. I'm just going to say it that. It's by my man Warren Zevon, my hero. Um, and I'll, I'm going to leave it. It's a dedication to Frontier. And I'm going to I'm gonna leave it uh, for you guys to hear it at the end. But for sure, do not have your kids around when, when the closing song goes to play. Um, <clears throat> all right. So we got the opening song. We got the closing song. I want to acknowledge the staff. Obviously, we've got our graphics producer, Swordsmith, our executive producer, Wolf Dragon, the podcast editor, Monohive, everybody doing good stuff. Tonight, we've got a crazy show. Texans want to move the moon. Elite wants to piss everybody off. New forces are moving in the Elite galaxy. Uh, we once and for all answer, is Star Citizen a scam? And we have a new addition to the show, the No Salt Zone. Also, we play, what if David Braven asked Kai to fix shit? So all this and more, so stay tuned. If you're listening to us on the podcast and would like to see the live show and visuals, check us out on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Elite Week and on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Elite Week. If you're watching us on YouTube or Twitch and would like to know how to catch us on our podcast, check out anchor.fm forward slash Elite Week. For sending us your thoughts by email, you can reach us at EliteWeek3306 at gmail.com. Our very active and growing Elite Week Discord can be found at tinyurl.com forward slash Elite Week Discord, where you can check out or contribute to community feedback, resources on turning the wheel, and real-time updates about Elite from a variety of content creators. In addition to the Discord community feedback channel, feel free to write in our YouTube comments 
anything about the topic of the week, as well as anything else you'd like to share. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you're enjoying the show on YouTube, please make sure to like and subscribe and click on the bell. It really helps us out. On Twitch, a follow would be much appreciated. If you're on Twitter, feel free to follow at EliteWeek3306 for news and information about Elite Dangerous and cool sci-fi and space news. We record live on YouTube every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 1 a.m. UTC, so come and join in on the fun. If you're listening to us on the podcast, please make sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you use. And let us know if there's a format you want us to look into. We don't do Patreon, so save your money and just tell your friends about the show. You're listening to Elite Week. This is Burger Ant. Subscribe if you want. Who fucking cares? <laughs> right on. So, our first interview is going to be with our first guest, which is Commander Aaron Starr of the Elite Pilot Guide. This is a 104-page guide. The link to it is in the show notes to the PDF. If you have a friend that is starting Elite out, because we all know that the learning uh, curve in Elite is more like a learning cliff. If you have a friend that's starting out, give them this guide. And obviously, you still want to help them and guide them whenever you can personally. But at times when you're at work and they can't get an answer or it's 2 in the morning and they're sitting there and they, they don't want to call you, uh, you know, make sure they have this because they can flip through to this guide like i said 104 pages very extensive and basically see to get sort of a clue about just about anything this is the definitive starter guide to elite dangerous and he is doing an upgrade now to sort of revise it to include all of the stuff for odyssey in the show notes you're going to have the link to the existing pdf you're going to have a link to his youtube page the website and the discord aaron hello hello and welcome hey there thanks for having me absolutely so why don't you tell us a little bit about your guide and the revision that you're doing now and just you know some some more information about the whole thing sure so yeah the uh the guide was kind of the brainchild of um, my experience starting off Elite kind of back towards when it launched. And uh, originally, the group that I joined, EXO, uh, was kind of the first big group on uh, Xbox platform when mm. uh, Elite transitioned uh, into the console realm. So I kind of just, obviously, like you said, felt like Elite had such a steep learning curve that after you know I had spent a year or maybe two years playing it, mm -hmm. I wanted to create something that would kind of help new players find their feet without, you know, throwing their controller across the room or breaking their computer monitor. And so I, uh, I took some of the help from people within EXO and then uh, went ahead and authored this guide. And yeah, we pushed it out for EXO and we're in the process right now of updating it for, for Odyssey. Right on, man. That's beautiful. Well, uh, you know, uh, I gotta, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my my CM hat on here. I'm going to be a community manager and interview. I'm very honest, and I honestly want to tell you with all honesty that uh, I think your <laughs> your book is awesome, man. Your your guide is very very cool. Um, about how long are you thinking time frame wise? And, and and obviously, I'm not asking for like a locked in date, but just a ballpark. About how long are you thinking until like, hey, we'll have sort of. The new version out for people to look at. Well, thankfully, I'm not Frontier, so I'm not going to release it tomorrow and uh, and have nothing nothing new for everyone to try. But um, it's uh, it's looking like probably towards the end of July is when I'm hoping to have the Odyssey update released. Uh, right now, we're working on the corrections to part the part of the guide that's already um, available to everybody because a lot of the things in that portion have actually 
changed with the Odyssey update, and I, I expect most of that to kind of stay the same. Um, I'm waiting on the Odyssey portion primarily because uh, I'm trying to give Frontier a little time to kind of, you know, fix their shit and get everything looking pretty, and then once they've had enough time to kind of uh, adjust all of the levels and, you know, iron out all the bugs, mm -hmm. uh, that's when I'm hoping to release the Odyssey guide portion. Uh, Roy, I know you had a point on this. Aaron's guide reminds me of the beautiful hard copy guides that used to come in the box with complex games. I'm sure many of you remember those. Um, you know, w beautifully formatted pictures, little diagrams showing tactics, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, when I, you know, when games used to come with stuff like that, for me, that was half the fun was reading the manual. I don't know if that makes me strange, but no, I anyway, I I completely get it. I understand. I used to love those back in the day, the the old big games that you would get. You would get those TSR games or like Wizardry mm. Seven, and you had that massive tone. I remember distinctly remember cracking open Wizardry Seven, and uh, it had that that big. It was a beefy tome and it had those guys the rhinoceros guys that had the blunderbusses and they were like super law and order and if you ever went into one of their areas you had to like mind your p's and q's or you'd get in massive trouble very very good stuff with this player group exodus coalition you guys have sort of done a lot of stuff to like in the early earlier days i mean you guys were fairly massive back in the days of like the uh dangerous games and all the the thing that put in yuri grom and power play and all yeah yeah that's actually um kind of kind of the heyday i had i guess in elite not that i don't play but um we were kind of influential in forming the galactic cooperative uh which was something that is kind of from the old elite games lore mm -hmm. uh, um kind of yeah. makes its way yeah galcop so we actually uh kind of reformed galcop with some of the other player player groups like the diamond frogs and uh originally we had the east india uh, company and some other groups were, were part of it as well but um we were kind of the main competition for the uh the russian group that ended up unfortunately in my perspective winning the dangerous games but it was still a very fun process and and hell a yeah. lot of good things came out of it so hell yeah and you know what i'm going to uh this is the, the the glass full of whiskey of of uh yeah uh old money whiskey that i poured i'm gonna down this and salute of the diamond frogs who are uh having so much trouble with this whole uh anarchy thing so that one's for you guys. First off, I've been playing this game for a good while, and I consider myself above average in my knowledge of the elite sort of extended universe and the community and whatnot. I've done a little digging into some things, and I cannot believe that before this, <clears throat> you know, like uh, meeting you to discuss this and whatever, I was unaware of this guide. I, I need to say this because I feel like I knew a lot about elite and I didn't know of it. Everyone who is listening to this the link is in the show notes, uh, which will be posted about an hour or so after the show goes live. In fact, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to. Uh, I put it in it. Twitch as well. Yeah, I'm gonna copy it right now and put it in the YouTube. This guide, go right now. Whoever is is hearing this, go post it in your Discord of choice or several Discords of choice. Spread this around for people. This is an invaluable resource that new players sort of need to have. So make sure, let's do a big wave of getting this out for people. And then obviously coming up as, <clears throat> as the guide gets updated, let's spread it around again and really get the numbers up because this will be very, very helpful to new people. So I, I uh, 
I just want to make sure that we we promote the hell out of that and and salute you, Aaron. And for sure, stay with us as we go on our drunken guide through the galaxy or trip through the galaxy and uh, and and <laughs> comment on the news. All right, brother. Yeah, absolutely. I hope so. Right on. That takes us to our second guest interview, which is Commander Juki of Fly Dangerous. So Juki, tell us about Fly Dangerous, what it is, how it works, and why it's necessary. Go. So Fly Dangerous is a game that I've been working on over the past few months, and it tries to kind of take the, the flight mechanics and mimic it from Elite Dangerous. The kind of things we use when you're racing and hooning, and then pair it up with the infrastructure and the gameplay of games like Trackmania. Mm. so that you have the ability to create and share your own custom tracks with leaderboards, with ghosts that you can download and race against. And it's all in like a seeded infinite terrain, so you still have that kind of elite, dangerous discovery aspect to it with various other environments and stuff like that. There's a couple points that I want to highlight here. Number one, the important thing about this is that with the current implementation of Odyssey, it looks like the old Pamesh stuff is sort of gone. <laughs> and, th- yeah. and and maybe it gets fixed, and maybe the between the pressure that we and other people in the community have put on Frontier, maybe they decide to put Pamesh back, which is what I've been saying they need to do. Uh, maybe they don't. Who knows? But um, regardless, number one, sort of, I feel like this is very necessary for those old school hooners, FA off, hardcore guys. I'm talking to your sanderlings, your primetime casuals, your, you know, just giants in the community. They need to have this just as a thing that they can always have. Number two, even if it weren't for the fact that Odyssey seems to have kind of taken away some stuff if you notice here on the video the commander is flying through these gates this is a thing that a good portion of the race community has asked for for some time what if you know um in january of 2019 2020 i don't who knows when they updated the uh new player experience they included like some things for new players where you could fly through these sort of little rings and it would be like Oh, this is cool. It's like a trainer thing to learn how to fly. The racers have been saying, hey, how about you give us an advanced version of this, you know, uh, sort of for some time where they've been saying, we want to be able to set up cool race courses. With Fly Dangerous, you can do that. And in addition to that, as I understand it, with Fly Dangerous, you have more freedoms to really like take the limiters off and do more things with the physics, the Newtonian physics of it, where you can go more advanced. And this is the thing, like everything that I've said, everybody's going, okay, that sounds cool. That sounds cool. This is the thing right now that's going to give every person that's listening to this a hard on. Uh, I've also seen in the Discord, the Fly Dangerous Discord, where people are saying, I want this ship. I want that. I want a Babylon 5 ship. I want an X-Wing. I want a TIE Fighter. I want a whatever. And you guys are kind of looking into some... I mean, you guys are a fan-made product. You're not selling it for money. So you have a lot more sort of leeway to have some fun with some stuff and maybe bring in the last Starfighter ship or maybe bring in a Star Fury or maybe bring in a TIE Fighter or some shit, some cool stuff, yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, there's a lot to unpack there. So, like, I guess I really felt that I, I loved the flight model in Elite. It's... It's really, really cool once you like get over the hump of it, but it's also really difficult to break into it. Mm. And that sucks because there's so much cool stuff going on there, but it, it feels like there's a lot of barriers to entry. So the whole point of this game was to remove as many of those barriers as possible. 
and let you get into the elite racing scene style thing and all of the flying or without flight assist without having to go through the engineer grind right mm. so you can customize your ship and the flight mechanics and the, and the physics and you can share them on the discord and play around with it without having to go through that whole engineer rubbish and the whole initial idea of this was it was meant to be a companion piece like i started this before odyssey even came out so mm. the whole point of it was like you can train on it you can get used to the flight mechanics and, and flying without flight assist and stuff like that without having to worry about the time investment and the financial impact of playing it in the game, you know, in-game currency and stuff like that. So, like, what's cool, and I guess pretty pertinent to what we're going to talk about tonight, most likely, is that the whole development process is open. All the code is on GitHub, you can see what's being worked on right now, you can comment on tickets if you're inclined, or you can jump on the Discord and have a chat with me, and I'm really, really amazed how quickly, like, a strong community has formed around this. And that open process, it's absolutely made the game better in, in every way like to have these open discussions because I, i'm not going to pretend i know what's best i haven't got a damn clue what's going on as many people in my discord would probably attest but like while i know this is on a smaller scale with a much higher signal to noise ratio of feedback than i'm sure fdev have right now i still think this open dialogue has had a massive positive influence on the game and its current features and, and the roadmap of it so basically, this just started out as an idea of like, hey man, what if you could get really good at hooning and flying around through canyons, but the thousand times that you die, you won't have to buy pay a rebuy. And then it turned into also possibly a lifeline of if this all goes away, this is yeah, a, exactly. a way to keep it forever. Yeah, so like obviously, you know, recently we've, we've lost a lot of our interesting, cool environments to fly around in. And it's it's been fun to recreate a lot of that fun stuff uh, and try and keep it alive in some form. I, I, those planets might exist in Odyssey. I have no idea. I'm not kind of holding my breath right now, but if they are, all the better. And and this is a cool tool to learn in, you know. That's beautiful. So a, I love just the 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 lifeline of saving Pamesh. B, I absolutely love the idea of us being able to make our own racetracks and fly around in different places. That's awesome. And like as a like, and I. I I would love to see, you know, people like, hey, this is the Sanderling, uh, you know, beginners track, and then this is the the <laughs> this is the Sanderling intermediate track, and then this is the Black Diamond. Oh, get your shit in order and write a will before you try this one track. Like, <laughs> I love that. And then just added to it the idea of like, wait a second, I could fly all kinds of cool ships, like. All of this is fantastic. So I want to give you a huge salute. I've posted already your Discord in the chat. I know Roy did as well. And we're going to have your website and Discord in the show notes for everyone. Whoever is checking this, you definitely need to go join their Discord, join the conversation. Let's A, build this up huge be for multiple reasons. One, because it's awesome and it should be. But also, I think this sends a message to Frontier that maybe they might want to consider some stuff as far as, you know, accommodating their their hardcore audience that definitely deserves it. Juki, I want to yeah, give you a Throw those guys a bone, yo. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, all right, Juki, thank you so much. And, and for sure, please stay with us. And, and I want your, your feedback as we go through all of the stuff that's coming up. It's the Dark Wheel Update. The Dark Wheel Update. I'm going to have my man Wolf Dragon take this one. Hit it, Wolf. Yeah, yeah. So we picked up a free expansion. Um, 
before we could get uh, Rimfaxi properly cooked and, and lit off, but Rimfaxi's catching up real quick. No worries on that, though. We uh, needed something to do uh, in the time being, and of course, we've always got the standing orders, and uh, just expanding and landing where we go is going to be pretty much the, the playbill for the next phase of turning the wheel, so it's been all good. Black Sky Legion has definitely enjoyed a little bit of R&R from the daily hardcore BGS. We've kept it going a little bit, but we've been able to take a break and see all the new fun stuff, and hey, we got a new CG coming out to go get those DSSs so that we can just buy them. Hell yes, and we're going to talk about that coming up. Whew, big shout out to the Black Sky Legion, Squad BSL-1. We also have Squad BSL-2 and BSL-3 that are getting established in PlayStation and Xbox. So if you're interested, look for it because they are now going to be available for you. We're going to continue with uh, turning the wheel in a, like I said, low impact way, as Wolf was just saying, where we're just gonna expand and run up the numbers and just get the total number up. But we don't have to do all of the crazy hard lifting to land in exact spots anymore. We're just gonna have fun with it and push and expand and chill in a very, very cool way. It, it, it's a lot less work, a lot less pressure, and a lot more just have some fun, have a few laughs. That takes us to our moment of Braben. Every week, we play a clip of David Braben from back in the day, listen to what he had to say about ideas and concepts and sort of how development should be done and things that he wants for the game and whatnot. And then we look at that through the lens of where are we at today? What are we seeing? Is this good? Is this bad? What has been given, delivered upon? What is yet to be delivered upon? I want to say to the people in the chat that I'm absolutely positive, despite this very clear disclaimer, are going to say, This is clickbait! That's David Braben from years ago! Yes, that's what I've just explained. If English is hard for you, then perhaps... You know what? Keep keep saying that it's clickbait. That's great. It's just more chat in, in the video uh, comment section. So that actually, for the metrics, that helps. So you know what, you crazy little diamonds of stupidity? You're helping us. Thank you very much, and we salute you. And here, without any further ado, is David Braben. So I'm here today to talk about procedural generation, what it is and why it's relevant today. I've been doing it for nearly 30 years, and... It's where art meets science. Now, all of us, without realizing it perhaps subconsciously, follow rules. And that's what I'm going to talk about today, because it's behind the whole, this whole process. So think, for example, of a constable painting. It's a beautiful scene that the artist has rendered, sort of of real life, but with details subtly accentuated. It's very, very rich, and within it are a lot of rules. Think of the trees in the scene. You know, we look at the way the branches come out, how often they come out, the leaves, the colour, the bark, all of those details. You know, what makes it an oak, a hornbeam, or even a tree? And Constable was subconsciously following those very same rules when he was painting it, because it would look strange. As people, we're really, really good at spotting things that don't look right, at spotting things that break those rules. Imagine an artist's tools, an airbrush. So there's a lot of physics in an airbrush, the viscosity of the paint, the speed of the motor, where the artist holds the, um, away from the paper. And it creates a beautiful pattern in the artist's control. Now, Imagine an art package. A lot of us use art packages today rather than actual, actual paint. 
The designers of that art package will have exactly, as best they can, mimicked the, what an airbrush does. You know, the, the artist does the controls in very much the same way as they do with a, um, a physical airbrush. But what happens is then inside the computer it simulates that science. And then an array of dots comes out, essentially with each dot coming out in a random position. Now, imagine doing that with clouds, where each little dot is a bit of cloud, or hillside, where what you're doing is you're building up piles of soil to make a landscape exactly like you, just what you want to imagine, like we saw in the Constable paintings. Imagine then flicking a switch and spraying again, but this time spraying trees, except where the system enforces those rules, it makes sure the branches don't intersect, or that the trees aren't close to each other. So then imagine, that artist creating many such hillsides and looking at them and tweaking them until they look like a real hillside. Now, we can aggregate that, we can look at that and build up what those rules that the artist has followed and then present back to the artist hillsides created using those same rules. Now, the artist can look at it and say, well, those trees going down to the shoreline, they don't look right, and they can, he can tweak them. And you can use that to refine the rules. But at the end of the process, you have a set of rules that creates hillsides that are pleasing to that particular artist. Now, some of you in the room will know I've been creating games for a very, very long time. And the fantastic thing with this, the sort of approach I'm talking about, procedural generation, is using it to create environments where games can take place. Huge environments to explore which are created randomly. So the great thing is, all you need to do is store those rules. Except there's, a, there's obviously a problem. Because if you're doing it randomly, it will be different every single time. And that's, that's not what we want. But then there is a magical part of mathematics, which is number sequences. This guy, Leonardo Fibonacci, um, suggested a number, number sequence in a book over 800 years ago, in 1202. And actually, even he didn't invent the sequence that's now named after him. He referred to an earlier, sadly unnamed, Indian mathematician who came up with the idea. So this sequence is a sequence of numbers where you take two numbers, let's say one, two, three, four, five, six, add them together, creates another number in the sequence, and you keep doing that until you end up with an arbitrary long sequence. So we have a sequence of numbers getting ever bigger. But then, imagine looking at just the last three digits of each number. They look pretty random. And the point is, think of them as dice rolls. It's a bit like knowing all of the dice rolls in advance as they come. And the beautiful thing about it is that's uniquely defined precisely by those first two numbers that we thought of, what we call the seed. So in other words, from that seed flows a sequence of numbers as long as you like, as many as you like, and they'll always be the same if you start off with the same seed. Now, um, the first game that I uh, co-wrote was a game called Elite that I wrote while at university with a colleague. And that, within it, had whole galaxies created that way. So from it came the name of planets, their, their position, the positions of the stars, their, their governments, their economies. It was hugely rich. And it all came for free, even the names. I remember we were looking at it, trying to get names that were pronounceable, where you didn't get phlegm on the screen, because that's what came out, using essentially things called phonemes. And I also remember having beauty parades of galaxies. We'd have whole galaxies that we'd look at, 
and reject galaxies because they were either lopsided or they had holes in them, or they didn't quite look right. We could even make up sentences to describe them because they're also based on rules. And it's the rules here. This is where the science comes in and the art is what, is what works, what feels, what feels right. Now, procedural generation has been used ever since. Um, games like Minecraft have used it very, very successfully. But there's also bad procedural generation. We see sort of cities going on forever. We see things where you can see the patterns. They're too simplistic. It's too obviously computer generated. And the problem with that is it's, I mean, essentially it's bad art, if you like. You know, it's, it's no fault of the procedural generation. I mean, if you think of the, the earliest form of procedural generation, it's probably wallpaper, where the, the repeating pattern, the artist thinks of the pattern in such a way that disguises the fact it's going to be made on a roll, that it's got to repeat. But it's got this one overriding rule that you fundamentally can't disguise. And the fantastic, fantastic thing about the digital domain is there is a lot more flexibility, so the artist has much more art in it. If you like, bad procedural generation is art that hasn't felt the love of an artist. Now, this way, we can make, we can make whole planets. The amazing thing with these sort of techniques is what you can do with them. I still think that it's, it's a bit like going into a shop and seeing a, a Blu-ray for 10p or a brand new car for £10. It's too good to be true. But I've been doing it now for 30 years and I haven't yet found the catch. So the moon, easy to make the moon, sphere, put craters on it to taste. Um, the other good thing is for, for Earth-like worlds, artists are great at looking at the Earth, looking at the, the various areas, you know, the tropical areas, the icy areas, and saying what looks right and what doesn't quite look right. So we start off with continents, using uh, plate tectonics, build up mountains, all that sort of thing, put water, put vegetation, put clouds. You see that clouds form in turbulent areas, downwind of mountains. But what we can also do is we can vary it. We can use the science. We know where there are cold areas, ice forms. The artists already told us that. But we also know in the boundary areas where things are in shadow, you'll see snow. You know, we know what that looks like from space. We know what it looks like on the ground. And that's fantastic. But we can also vary it. We can tilt the planet. We can cool, cool it, as you see here, where you're left with a narrow band of, that's habitable. So out of that, we get, once we've gone through this loop a lot, we get the artist is, produces a mature set of rules. But we can also apply those same rules to alien worlds, like we see here. We know the chemistry of those alien worlds. From that, we get the various colours. We know the elements and compounds that will be there. And the artist can still look at it and say, well, that doesn't look right. And we can use that to work out why it might not be right and to double-check the science. Maybe we've got the viscosity of the atmospheres wrong or whatever. Now, bizarre rules happen in the world as well. Imagine an artist. Imagine Picasso. We're all very used to recognising what is a Picasso, not just because we recognise an individual painting. We know the way he does eyes, we know the way he messes with the world, because he usually messes with the world in a very similar way. And you look at it and you know it's a Picasso. Now, people who are expert at Picassos, they will look at it and they will even be able to place it almost exactly when he, when he painted it, even without having seen the particular Picasso we're showing. 
You know, they, know, they know that because Picasso's own rules change through time. Doubtless, he didn't think he was obeying rules, but he was. That's how we recognise it as a Picasso, you know, blue period, cubism, all of that sort of thing. So summing up, this is where art meets science. It's an amazing tool in the hand of artists. You look at a place like this, look at the arches, look at all the boxes, the uniformity of it. It's beautiful. And it follows rules. And it's those rules that make it beautiful. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for listening. So, right off the bat, I want to say David Braben saying that the human eye has the ability to spot bad proc gen and copy pasta, whatnot. I feel like somewhere, Black Maze just felt the disturbance force and was like, what? Something's happening. What's What's going on? Yeah, that I think is particularly telling in the era that we're in at the moment as far as um, I think there are some amazing planets out there and I think there are some really bad planets out there and I pray to God that once uh, Frontier tells us, okay, the planet tech is now operating as intended because i'm still holding out hope i'm i'm a person that is holding out hope that the planet tech is actually great and that we're just seeing the effect of a bug that makes it sort of shitty right now the the things that i took from that is david braben saying that the human eye can spot bad proc gen or copies is is a massive you know like yeah and i pray to god that that's the thing that gets fixed when the bugs get fixed. And the second point that I want to take about it is when, when you saw the way that he was demonstrating how those Earth-like worlds got, you know, generated and then the interesting things with like, hey, you can change. This one is more temperate climate. This one is more tropical climate. This one is a more ice age planet. I, I, I thought that that was fascinating and interesting. And I definitely hope that as the bugs get resolved, we see good planet tech because that's the one thing that i'm hanging my hat on that i really pray came out well in odyssey you know after watching that video i feel kind of bad in a kind of nostalgic way for those halcyon days when david could present at the royal albert hall and the future of elite of elite was bright and full of promise um now although there are some beautiful planets we also have planets with uh to paraphrase some of his terms, phlegm textured surfaces and detectable reading pattern, uh, repeating patterns that apparently haven't felt the love of an artist. Um, so yeah. yeah, it just made me sad. Yeah, that love of an artist line hit me like a gut punch. I was like, oh, that hurt. Aaron. Yeah, um, <laughs> I almost peed myself. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, when he said that the art is what works and what feels right, I was just, I was weeping. And it's, it is kind of sad. I, I agree with, with Roy. I mean, you, you, you look back and you look at how the game, you know, came out and how it was being developed towards the beginning. And there, there is still so much of that potential that you can see in the game. And it's just inhibited by what he was talking about in that speech, which is the, you know, the science of it, the math of it, and not being able to get the game to a point where it's playable without these, these bugs that just rip you out of the immersion is really taking away from the art that I think could be there otherwise. So it is kind of sad. Absolutely. Uh, tweak. Well, to me, agreed with everything everybody just said. It's terribly depressing. But, but what it brings to my mind is, again, just, just 
David Braben knows all this stuff. He, You can't tell me if he sat down and looked at the planet tech working as is that he wouldn't pick all that stuff out. So what it really says to me is just how involved is he in Elite Dangerous, not even on a day-to-day -day basis, but at all? Is he now just a businessman that signs checks and hopes to make a lot of money? Uh, does he not have anything to do with Elite in order to miss all that kind of thing? It's, unless, it's puzzling to me. Unless... The planet tech is good, and it's just the bugs that's causing us to see problems at the moment. Like, I, we don't know yet. Maybe, uh, I, I get where you're coming from. And if after they say, it's working as intended, we still see, you know, stamps over and over and over, then yes, 100%. But there's a chance that it's just a matter of... Uh, now, yes, this is indicative of another sin, which is releasing a game that wasn't finished, of course. But, like, after it's fixed then we should judge the planet. But I just wanted to bring that up because of, yes, like last week's episode, how we discussed this, I think it really needs to be highlighted. Of all of the people that we could sort of expect to do it right, David Braben is at the top of that list for me. Um, I, 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 you're right. If it turns out that the planet tech is bad, then the statement that you just made is 100% spot on on the money of like, well, I guess David's not steering the ship anymore. And I would, for one, would love to see that change. I would love to see David take direct control of Elite again. And, uh, you know, what is it? Mega? Make Elite great again? Juki, hop in on this. Yeah, I just want to kind of take a view on the ProcGen system, because he talks about a mathematical model of generating a couple of numbers, and everything after that is deterministic, but, you know, deterministically random. And, you know, that's the kind of things that I've been grappling with at the moment. And it, it seems completely unfeasible that you would end up with these repeating patterns that are all over the place. Because we saw a hell of a lot of that in last week's stream, mm. of, you know, all of these really obviously stamped out canyons and shapes and things like that and that doesn't actually make any kind of sense from a mathematical perspective like how can how can that happen if everything is randomly generated so it kind of seems like they're taking shortcuts and taking liberties with it and that really sucks because like the explorers are really going to feel the pain of that the whole purpose of going out into the black and, and exploring is is to find new things that you can't see anywhere else, right? 100%. Absolutely. Could not agree more. And that's the perfect sort of comment to close out that topic. Now, this is going to be the salt zone. We're going to, in one section, get all the salt out, and then the rest of the show, we're aiming to be salt-free. I cannot do two-hour show of just wall-to-wall -wall salt. So let's get it all out and then move on so that we can be... <clears throat> sort of more neutral news and good news because i think people need that right now especially with what's going on right now all right right off the bat i want to start off with even if the planet tech does get made wonderful after the bugs are gone i think we need to discuss as a community that there's an opportunity cost here of resetting the universe elite commanders had just discovered close to one percent of the galaxy over the last like seven years and if we keep resetting the galaxy we sort of never make any real progress now yes it's still gonna say that um you know we've ex we, you know we've mapped x percent of the galaxy so we're still gonna have that sort of next to one percent listed on paper or in the system but i don't really think so because if the planets have all been completely re-rolled it might be that a planet that was already previously listed as discovered and mapped and whatever is now 
a completely different thing. And maybe something that was wonderful is now dog shit. And maybe something that was dog shit is now wonderful, but we won't know unless somebody goes back and remaps that whole thing. So I salute the idea of upgrading planets <clears throat> and, and definitely, as Dr. K said, sort of making them future-proof, making them sort of robust enough that they can go on into the future. I like that. But, like, should we take a second to really think about, like, this has cost us something. We've lost a certain amount of knowledge of the universe, even if this all plays out perfectly, which is, at the moment, far from a far-gone conclusion. Juki, hop in. Okay, cool. Well, I think there is a certain amount of truth to the idea that you it, what was there before is not just going to work when you're out on foot, right? So what's there now looks pretty cool. In many cases, when you're out of the ship and you're on foot. But it really kind of sucks to me that a lot of the flight mechanics uh, have been neglected from that. Everything seems much flatter now. And yeah, I'm going to entirely channel Black Maze <laughs> and talk about, like, it It sucks that all of our shiny, awesome Horizons planets have gone. But it really does feel like from everything that I've seen, everything is much more homogenous now and much more boring from from the cockpit perspective it's mm. pretty damn cool looking in many places in many places you know when you're on foot but from the cockpit it it's more of once you've seen one you've seen them all you mm. know but worse gotcha so next up we've got no vr announcement and basically a plan to go around saying no to everything while not allowing yourself to say yes to anything just yet I feel like this is a bad, bad plan. I feel like I don't think that it's smart that they said, hey, we're going to wait a month to tell you yes to anything. I think they should have done it. They said they were going to do a roadmap. They should have done it then. They should have said yes to a couple things right then to have some wins on the book because it, they need to reassure people. People are not happy. And if you're not going to do that, if for some reason you need to stick to some stupid arbitrary, we're not going to say yes to anything for a month for, I don't know, reasons that you you know, secrecy reasons that you have that no one else understands. At the very least, have the common sense to shut the hell up and don't go around saying, no, 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 no. And then look around going, isn't everybody happy? We're super honest. No, that's that's a bad plan. You took a dumpster fire and poured jet fuel on it. I don't understand in any way where a competent person at PR would say, this is a good idea. No, Aaron. Yeah, I just wanted to, I mean, we had a good conversation about this recently, but I just, it baffles me the lack of emotional intelligence that you have to have as a, as a community manager to see the kind of trouble your business is in, to see the kind of absolute disaster that you've caused with, with the release of a game that's just totally unfinished, and then go to the community and field their questions, uh, you know, legitimate questions, not only about what's wrong with the game, but also, hey, why haven't you added this or this, you know? And instead, and, and in a bid to be honest, instead of being, you know, honest in a way that's, you know, constructive, you're being honest in a destructive way, and you're just a dumbass for doing it. Because nobody wants to hear every single sentence that you're saying be bad news, because we've already got enough of that. So either, like you said, tell tell people, 
you know, I've got it. I know what you're asking for. I'm going to bring that to the developers. I'm going to bring that to the management and I'll advocate for you as the community or shut the hell up. Don't say anything, you know, let, let, let it lie and, and deal with it and tell them that you're going to fix what you've released already. And once you've fixed your shit, then you're going to move on to the things people are asking for. I mean, there's Jeff definitely a point where when someone says, hey, does this make me look fat? You know, you could tell the truth or you could be smart and shut the fuck up. Uh, tweet. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. I, uh, no ship interiors, no crossplay, and now no VR. I really don't know what other segment of their fan base they can step on next. Uh, quite honestly, it feels like the trifecta to me. Those are the three biggest wants that the community has had forever. Yeah, it's great being honest, but like you said, if you're going to give us no's to the biggest desires, the biggest wants we have as a community, you should probably come with some good news. And if you're going to have this big quote-unquote roadmap design of the future kind of conversation at the end of the month or the beginning of July, if, if you're going to have it then, then my bet is you probably already know what you're going to say. So why why save it? Why hold it back? This is what got us into this problem in the first place is, is being super secret squirrely and holding it close to the vest like this. You're, you're building up expectations by not telling me what you were going to give us. Now I'm thinking when you come out in July, I want to hear what you're going to do for the next year. I don't want to hear here's a new SRV and a new ship you're going to get in six months. That won't be enough. And I fear that's what we're going to get. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't be honest. I'm not saying don't give the hard answers, but I'm saying if you can't give any good news, then don't run your mouth nonstop with nothing but bad news. Juki. So if you're going to actually try and be honest with people, be honest with the real actual news, because the way that it's kind of being shown to people is that, you know, what, what, what most people are asking for is just to disable that stupid floating screen view on foot. That's like, that's all most people are asking for. Like, okay, you can get into the, the, the problems of, you know, doing room scale and, and hand tracked and all that kind of rubbish. But all that most people want is to be able to look up at the stars and go, this is really cool. That, that's all that people are asking for. Now, if there are technical hurdles towards that, let's talk about them. Because there's a couple of them, but for the most part, I really genuinely as a developer can't see why you wouldn't allow that even as like a config tweak not even a button in the options menu and that's what most people on the forums at least are really asking for just the, the simple ability to turn off that floating screen absolutely all right so the next point is patch five got pushed to the first week of july now here's the thing they've said repeatedly hey we're gonna give you information on a dev stream and what's going on with console release and what's going to happen with features and yada 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 we're going to give you good news but they've said it tied to two key factors the one key factor that they've said repeatedly is the end of the month of june but the other key factor that they've said repeatedly is after patch five i'm just asking does this mean, and this is a thing that to me, when they announced we're pushing patch five to July instead of June, does this now mean all the good news is not coming until July or is it still coming in June? These are things that I think a competent billion dollar company would say up front. Anybody got anything on that? <sighs> <laughs> I think that says it all. All right, we'll move to the next point, which is <clears throat> the community reaction. The Exodus is picking up stream guys. If you look, t 
tell me who your favorite content creators are in elite how many of them that were previously only elite uh uh sort of content creators are now community streamers or variety streamers uh look at people that have been strongly sort of in favor of elite for the long term like obsidian ant and uh you know sort of other creators that are now obsidian ants made like three videos in a row straight up calling frontier out it's 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 very very plain to see you've got you know loose screws a podcast that has been super sort of um, supportive of frontier Two, at least, of the main people have literally already publicly stated either on the show or in their Discord that they've asked Frontier for a refund of Odyssey. They don't want it anymore. And Frontier said, no, nah, he can't have it. Um, like, when you see that, when you look at the numbers of people that are saying, I'm moving to Star Citizen, I'm moving to No Man's Sky, I'm moving to this, I'm moving to that, I'm, I'm going to do single-player games. Obs uh, like, Lave Radio has been, oof, a bloodbath lately. Guard Frequency has been highly critical of the rollout. Um, <clears throat> you know, we have called out a lot of the problem. The, you know, the pilot just quit altogether and said, I'm out. Uh... A lot of people have, you know, look, look at even people that are very, very supportive. Like I said, <clears throat> look at uh, your, your down-to-earth astronomies and whatnot, who has been doing a lot of content in other games lately. So down-to-earth astronomy just started a corp in Star Citizen. And like, and I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just pointing out that if I were Frontier, if I were a community manager at Frontier, and I was seeing this level of exodus in my hardcore community, I would be very worried. Uh, Roy. It's like stocks. And what I mean by that is people aren't going to put all their eggs in one basket if, if the thing doesn't look good anymore. They're going to diversify. For for some of the people you just mentioned, they're getting an income from this. And it's it's sort of silly to go down with the ship. They're going to consistently evaluate what works, what works best for them, and they're not beholden to elite why would they be right so they're just doing what they got to do mm. and uh aaron yeah so i i mean i have seen the same kind of trend as, as you're talking about with with people switching their content over and i think the biggest reason for that is just the the misguided focus of development and and i'm not even just talking about the release i'm even talking about the updates one through four that we've had right now and you can kind of see when you read the patch notes and when you look at what's actually being fixed in the game versus what's not that there are, there is so much manpower being put onto tasks that don't actually l enable people to play the game, right? I mean, some guy had to be sitting there for hundreds, if not thousands, of hours rede redesigning the user interface for for you know outfitting for the for the galaxy map for system map, and I mean maybe you can find one or two things that are nice about the new way of doing it, but but by and large, it's it's all it's all worse than it was before. So you just look at how much time is being wasted on things that either are are detrimental or at least neutral to the actual playability of the game. And I think that's where a lot of the, these issues are coming from. Is like I, I I have problems just not getting fatal errors playing with friends. You know, trying to ride in the same ship together or do a mission on a surface. And that's not even going to the exploration stuff. And so I think if they don't focus on these game-breaking issues and make it playable, 
there, there really isn't any other any other option for people. All right, and Tweak to close out this one. Yeah, if I were FDEV, I'd be totally in panic mode seeing all this. I mean, Obsidian Ant was putting out nothing but pro elite videos for years, forever. And now he's doing nothing but pretty much Microsoft Flight Simulator and other things. And like you said, he called out FDEV pretty much blatantly in his last few videos. I'm even seeing this on a smaller level. Many, many discords now, including Opix, my own, are now, instead of just being an elite dangerous squadron... We've made it a gaming community where we've got all kinds of other games because people are leaving Elite Dangerous and we don't want to lose the community. Therefore, we can still play games and and communicate with through these, you know, through the Discord with these other games and everything. So people are looking, reading the tea leaves, so to speak, and FDEV has given nobody any confidence that they're going to turn this around. Yep. Uh, so moving on to the next thing, which is Frontier Stock. Frontier stock is not rebounding. It's at $23.45 a share. It's down still a third of what it was, you know, April 29th before they started on this process of announcing that they were going to release after a half of an alpha, no beta, and two weeks of time. Uh, uh, Rogue Trader, and we, we'll have it in the show notes, put out a stock analysis update on Elite Dangerous. And it literally just said, Elite Dangerous is on Frontier, rather. And it says, Elite Dangerous is broken broken uh and he talks about that he strongly suspects that elite dangerous or sorry i keep saying that frontier is going to by a large martian miss their uh stock uh what do you call it uh forecast forecast for 2020 2022 uh they're probably going to have a really strong 2023 2024 because of formula one and warhammer but they've lost a massive sort of chunk and he called out flat out that it's like he he did this video where he pulled up and he's like here's the reviews here's this here's that i don't think elite's gonna get fixed for some time which was like ouch uh juki honestly it feels like the public floating of the company and you know various uh share buyouts from from tencent and things like that have a lot to do with this it, it from the outside perspective because i mean if you look at the glass door reviews it feels like from 2017 2018 onwards a lot of the glass door uh re reviews are all about how a lot of things are being outsourced how a, you know, there's quite a lot of cost cutting and a lot of the artists and the, the real engineers on the project are hurting from it and they're spending a lot of time kind of manually dealing with all of the contractors and that's not honestly not a great sign mm. roy the theory has been floated by us and many others that the reason that odyssey was pushed out on uh, the day it was was they had to fit something into the fiscal year to keep shareholders happy and the tragedy is that apparently that didn't work either if this is where the stock has gone, people are selling their stock. They're losing confidence in it. And, you know, you have to ask yourself, how much worse would it have been? Would it have been better if they'd held on to this uh, longer or called it a beta or did all the things that people have suggested? And, you know, what would the shareholders have thought of that? Would it, would it have been worse than the massive drop that they have? I don't know. Mm. But uh, this, <laughs> I could see this whole story becoming a case study in business school sometime in the future because it's an interesting choice they took. Well, that's everything that I had for the SALT section of the show. Roy, I know you had one other piece that you wanted to go. Then we'll go around the horn and ask if anybody has anything. Then we'll close it out and move on in a non-SALT for the rest of the show. Go, Roy. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to... I've been talking on the Discord with people about this, but just so everybody else knows, I've been taking a break from playing Elite. 
until the fixes for planetary tech are in. Uh, I'm three weeks into it. I haven't touched the game except to shut down some modules on my fleet carrier. Um, you know, I gave my latest expedition, I think, a good go right after the Odyssey launch. I got 22,000 light years out and I was uh, doing my best to scan biologicals and, and I did get some first discoveries in the codex and that was that was cool. But then I just started seeing a trend of more and more and more, uh, I call them oatmeal planets. And honestly, the thing that was really getting to me was the lack of integration of, uh, when you're searching for biologicals, the lack of integration of targeting data across ship, SRV, foot environments. Um, you know, the heat map blacks out when you go below super cruise and nothing's carried over in terms of data. There's no uh, equivalent tools for biologicals in your SRV. Like that just, for me, made it not fun. And I'm using this time to check out some other games. Right on. Um, so, Juki, you've got one more thing to close out the uh, the salt section, then we'll move on. Yeah, I just want to say on the VR stuff, because it's really kind of irritating me. I understand that, <clears throat> that like, right now, FDev is probably having a, a serious problem with the amount of noise that is being generated by the Odyssey launch. Mm. But they're also probably in like serious damage control. Now, when you're trying to prioritize what things need fixing, what, what works, what doesn't, and so on and so forth, usually what you're doing is you're figuring out on a ratio of impact to effort what things you should do. And it feels like they're, talk they're only looking at impact. They're going like, okay, well, VR users are only like 3% or whatever the number is right now. Mm. But guys, come on, you need some really, really basic goodwill from the community right now. And adding the ability to just turn off that godforsaken 2D screen in VR would go so far into making everybody happy. And it really is a small amount of work, unless it's the kind of work where a guy called Steve, who used to work here three years ago, is the only guy who knows the VR code and we don't touch it anymore. So we just render it to a giant screen. That's rough. And if that's the case, then that's really sad, you know? Yeah, that's rough. All right, that closes out our salt zone. So we're going to try to be non-salty for the whole rest of the show. That takes us to... For news beyond the game, it's Frontier News. Frontier News, right away, got to say, Patch 4 was big and meaty. Had a lot of stuff in there. Tons and tons of fixes and things that should sort of, you know, make things better. I've actually seen some stuff that was kind of like, mm, that's weird. It, 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 it seems to have made a lot of things a good bit better. It seems to have also caused some other issues. When they first rolled it out, there was a lot of orange sidewinders. They had to take the, the stuff down. They put out a hot fix, whatever. I've noticed now, whenever I jump around from one system to another, it gives me a little pop-up, one of those toaster notices, the pop-up notice on the bottom right corner that says an error, that it's lost its ability to navigate to where it's going it still goes where it's supposed to so i mean it's a minor annoyance but like there i i think there were a lot of good things in patch four and there were a couple of things that were put out that kind of that's kind of messed up and i i have faith that they will sort of get to it um why don't we uh <sighs> Yeah, let's sort of skip the forum post. I think a lot of that would sort of fall back into the salt, whatever, and I'm, I'm not trying to go there at the moment. So let's say there were forum posts in the Elite Week News uh, channel on the Discord. You can read them and you can decide for yourself to what extent they were good and to what extent they were the kind of things that raise your blood pressure. 
Let's, uh, Roy, move on to Galnet News. Yeah, so a uh, number of stories, uh, another sto- number of stories to cover this week. June 14th, uh, ACT continues to hunt NMLA terrorists, so they're not giving up on that. Uh, June 15th, Sirius Corporation, the fourth superpower, question mark. Uh, I don't know, maybe some more rank-unlocked ships coming, who knows. Uh, June 16th, um, electoral reform proposed for the Alliance. Because what we need more of in our game that we use to escape reality is more stories about people arguing about politics. And June 17th, uh, materials needed for enhanced ship module. I think this is excellent. Please do this more. Uh, June 18th, Guardian Thargoid Battlefield discovered. This one sounds spicy. Uh, maybe a source for new AX weapons module ships? So that, that was basically sort of announcing the end of the this ray, this this last week's phase of the azimuth mm-hmm. saga mm-hmm. or not azimuth yep. yeah azimuth saga yeah which takes us to community goals hit it so we have uh one um i i really like this one engineered detailed surface scanner uh v1 not sure why they call it v1 but uh delivering uh cmm composites muon imagers and synthetic reagents to ashby city uh, so that a fully engineered detail surface scanner with twice, twice the probe coverage, uh, it'll be given to the top 75%, but then it'll also presumably show up in uh, tech brokers. So I uh, love what they're doing with this. They tweeted uh, this afternoon that uh, FDF did that they've they kind of couched it in a lower, lower story, but they've lowered the requirements. So uh, it looks like they really want to push this one through, and I, I hope it works. Mm, yeah, it's good stuff. I, I Obviously, they're having low turnout for the CG, and as a result, they've lowered the amount saying like, hey, man, we really want this to not fail. That would suck. So yeah. we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're wanting this to succeed. We're going to lower it to make sure that at least you get to tier one. Uh, Wolf, go. Yeah, I didn't look at it before, but as soon as Roy said that, I looked it up on the community goals page of Inara, and it is sitting at tier two of five <laughs> after the reduction. So mm-hmm. it's obviously going to go through they obviously wanted to give this to everybody but um i can't say that i'm terribly surprised at low turnout uh one the thing with the a lot of players just not playing and two you know we've we've had this reward before some people have what is it three of these now Mm -hmm. um so it's it's definitely a hey let's get this in here so that anybody new coming to the game can get it so it's definitely a a little PR wizardry on on their part to make sure that this became available to anybody who wants them in the future. Excellent point. Tweak? Props to them for giving a decent reward, I guess, but I'd say decent at best. I mean, it's only good, one, if you're an explorer, and it's only going to be good on one exploration ship. So to me, it's a limited reward, really. It doesn't excite me enough to get out there to the CG. And uh, as Wolf said, not terribly excited about the low numbers. A lot of people are just not playing, whether it be console players playing other games or PC players in Odyssey not worrying about the CG. It's just, it's again, it's another underwhelming CG overall for me. You know, we were seeing like 25,000 plus uh, 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 concurrent player numbers from... uh, steam charts a month ago and they're down by like 15,000 we're, we're seeing most of that is is gone um so you know you're you're having complete concurrent player numbers of you know maybe in the 10,000 range or 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 less uh but 
so yes, there's a lot of people that are sort of taking a little mini break from Elite right now, or some people that have just quit. But uh, even the people that are playing, I think a lot of them are playing Odyssey, and they're like, yeah, I already have three of those modules so right now I'm trying to get my gear, I'm trying to engineer my gun and my Maverick suit and whatever. So, you know, whatever. But <clears throat> with this adjustment, they are already now at tier two or whatever. So yes, it's going to be a success. Yes, people are going to get it. So yeah, go, go, go collect your stuff. Aaron. Yeah, just really quick. For anybody that doesn't know about this community goal, I just wanted to actually vocalize that the reward is the uh, the um, double coverage for your detailed surface scanner. Yep. So just in case anybody wasn't tracking what the reward was. <laughs> Absolutely. That's good. Yep, we're tracking. So uh, I also want to bring up on a separate note, there are new secret forces introduced it, unannounced into the galaxy. I have not seen any other content creators uh, comment on this yet. Maybe they have, maybe they have not. I don't know. But uh, I, I can tell you this. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Commander Carl Account. That's the actual name of the, the, the uh, Discord user. He messaged saying, after logging in post-update, I'm in system PMD 2009 space 48 which is an asteroid base in the orion nebula it had two factions before and now it has four the two new ones are the taurus mining which is the people who paid out for the previous salvation message mission and aegis research both have megaships in system it's only 134 light years away from the current breadcrumb trail for the last of the azimuth saga round uh and he's saying you know this is cool. Like he just happened to be there when the server came back up and was like, wait a second. There were two factions here. Now they're four. They, the two new factions have mega ships and they happen to be on opposite side of the whole, you know, cause we know, uh, that Aegis was called out directly by salvation. And it seems like the salvation crew, the, the people that paid out for his last mission and the Aegis crew, you know, they're, they're sort of diametrically opposed that they're, they're two groups that, are, are not simpatico. It's very, very cool and interesting and sneaky. I think me personally, I'm thinking this is a clear setup for a CG to come in the future phase that, you know, hey, fight for salvation or hey, fight for ages, like truck stuff, information, data, something to Aegis or truck stuff to salvation. I think it's very, very cool. Anybody that's looking to check that out, you can go on the Inara page and check out PMD 2009 space 48 is the name of the system. The and it's the asteroid base where we turned in the previous rounds of missions. So that's very sort of, you know, that's a thing that people should, should know to look for. I want to call out a couple of commanders who have made some cool stuff in the the, the last week that I just want to take a moment to to uh, salute. Commander Scorbius put out Little Furry Space Legs. Link is in the show note. It's a funny little 14-minute long machinima video that uh, is, yeah, I mean, people know Scorb's stuff. His, his stuff is always awesome. Uh, and he also put out, he was one of the two, uh, Scorb and Commander Katie Byrne uh, were sort of ones that had put out videos in the last week or so that Frontier acknowledged directly and said like, yeah, we see you guys are not liking this issue, this content creators, you're not liking this issue with the, the whole camera suite. And we're gonna look at it where, where they put out a focus feedback thing on the forums to try to get it sorted and whatnot. Um, and, and that was sort of in, how do I say it? In support of a previous sort of raising of the issue by Commander Rini of the Burr Pit, who had said like, hey, this is a problem. 
So, uh, big salute to all involved. Uh, in addition to that, Commander Spatula 07 put out Elite Dangus, the case of the cleared save, 17 minutes long. Again, much like the previously mentioned Scorb video, it's machinima, it's funny. I think that right now, where so many people are so depressed about different issues, I think these people, Spatula, Scorb, Terjan, Starstone, these people that are putting out sort of funny little kind of uh, machinima videos, they're doing God's work because it, it gives you something to chuckle about. It gives you a reason to sort of ex like love and appreciate the community. And it's, I think we all need a good laugh right now. And, and these things are great. So just want to give, give these guys a big salute. In addition to this, <clears throat> I want to call out Commanders Will and Kate's uh, YouTube page. They put out Odyssey Update 4. Massive performance increase. Skunkworks. It's uh, like, I forget, like a 20-minute, 30-minute long video that uh, sort of... Uh, hold on one second. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, it, massive information of here's a half-hour playthrough Oh, we're going to run around. We're going to cut some panels. We're going to rob this base. We're going to go fly here. We're going to fly there. We're going to, and they kind of just in a very, it was like a, a, a six or seven people. And in a very sort of kind of relaxed and conversational manner, like, Hey man, look at this. We're cutting this panel. This is smoother. Hey, we're doing this. This is, uh, um, you know, like better. This is, oof. You know, like, th this is good, this is not good. They kind of gave a running commentary on things, and I, I really appreciated that, and I thought that that was, was great and, and definitely worthy of uh, an update. Juki, you have a comment on, I guess, <laughs> Frontier with the patch notes? We've, we've called this one out, like, for repeated, like, three or four weeks, so I'm going to let you make your comment on it. <laughs> I'm gonna... Yeah, no, I'm sorry. We're at salt section right now, but, like, <clears throat> man, I'm just... I'm just so sick of performance increases or bug fixes being this like ridiculous umbrella term that just means we did things. And like you see this in everything. It's not just elite, but, but a lot of things. Update notes being like we did some things. Please tell me something. Please give me anything, right? Give, mm -hmm. give me some specifics. We're adults here, right? Tell me that the performance improved on planets or in a bar or whatever for whatever reason because mm -hmm. that's important to us yep no i i 100 percent agree with you i have already we discussed it in in uh, like i said for the last couple of weeks and i put out a detailed video saying that i strongly believe that anytime frontier puts out a thursday patch like a long patch they have an asset available to them the thursday super cruise news they should for sure Read through all the patch notes, do what Final Fantasy XIV does, do a live letter where they say, hey man, we put out a patch, a list of patch notes that says, has like 163 headings. Let's read out each one, tell you what it is. Like, let's educate our customer base. Let's edify them and say, this is what this means. That This is what that means for multiple reasons. One, so that they can take a bow for their hard work and the fixes that they've made. Two, for the things that they say are fixed, which we've seen more than once be not fixed, they can people can raise it and say, hey, you said this was fixed. It's not. Let's give you good, clear feedback so that you can sort of, you know, address it again, whatever. And, and also, thirdly, just to help 
that our player base sort of understand a way that a lot of this stuff works so that they might have a better uh, feel for what Frontier is doing and how and why and where things are going. So I, I completely salute and agree with your statement that it would be good for Frontier to sort of explain a little further on that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to skip that comment tweaked. It's hilarious, but this is the no salt <laughs> zone. So <clears throat> uh, next up, I want to call out Algareb AM podcast. Link is in the show notes. They put out an episode on June 15th. I flip it a switch, put out a, an episode and it's just like a 15 minute long. It's a short little episode, but it's very, very cool. Uh, and I want to salute what, what flip did here. He said, he put out, uh, he said, look, there's a thing it's called the elite dangerous career map. It has lots of different things you can do in the game. I'm going to go through and I'm choosing to not be salty. I'm choosing to be pop, uh, uh, positive to try to sort of, you know, uh, do, do good things and <clears throat> i want to highlight different areas of it so he highlighted on this week's episode smuggling and he talked about things you could do with smuggling and i want to take a minute and have the whole cast go around on this because this is actually brilliant that this 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 uh algorab am this week was brilliant in that he said hey ignore for a second the fact that you can make more money mining than smuggling okay yes we all know you can make more money doing other things smuggling is the redheaded stepchild of our actually earning money okay fine but guess what none of this is real money it's not like if you grind until your eyes bleed and make a hundred billion credits you have no extra money in real life it's a game trying to have fun and what he's saying is do smuggling for fun not because it's going to release a huge profit but because you want to play han solo so go and do some smuggling runs and try to sneak past the cops with your stuff take some onion head try to you know be a weed dealer whatever try to sneak it into the space station do it with some friends get on comms with three or four friends all of you load up with weed and try to sneak it into a station and you know then you'll be aha you got caught i snuck i made it by you know whatever you could have some fun have a few laughs maybe have an adult beverage let's look for the opportunity opportunities to have fun in elite dangerous and ignore the credits ignore the ignore the oh well this one actually pays better it's more efficient yes there's times to be efficient there's also times to have fun in your space game I want to go around the horn real quick because I, even if you guys aren't putting in dots on this, I want feedback on this. You go first, Roy. It's it reminds me of um, like when I was a child and I played with an actual sandbox. You know, we call this a sandbox game, right? And you'd have some friends over and you'd kind of make up some little rules about, you know, this guy's got a truck and then we're going to build a bridge and we're going to do this. Like it's that kind of concept where you construct your own fun, you make a few light rules around it, and then you just go do it, and the doing of it is the fun of it. And yeah, it's easy to get caught up in the min-maxing in this game, especially if you're grinding for, you know, whatever, engineer stuff or mats or things like that. But there's there's all these fun little loops. And uh, yeah, I've, I've run into a few uh, fun ones. Smuggling's fun. Um, if you've never actually checked out some of these... Um, weird-looking space stations where you can go, you know, get data mats and stuff like that. That's fun, and there's ways to do that. These these are not huge money-making things, but they're actually pretty enjoyable, and it's easy to lose sight of that. And more enjoyable when you do them with adult beverages and friends. Absolutely. And Tweaked, you're up. Yeah, Elite Dangerous, and we've said it for many episodes, is is 
actually a pretty deep game. There's a lot of different ways to play the game. And sure, there's a time to work Elite Dangerous when you need your mats, when you need to make your money. But there's so many different ways to have fun, especially if you're flying with friends. And even if you're not, sometimes, I mean, somebody like myself that's done most of that. I, I mean, I've done smuggling. I've done all that kind of stuff. But what I haven't done necessarily is hit all of the tourist beacons all over the galaxy. So I've been doing that and catching up on the lore and just seeing some different sites. It's just you don't always have to chase the dollar. You don't always have to chase the goal. Sometimes you can take a night off and have some fun. And sometimes I think commanders lose track of that. Absolutely. Juki. Oh, man. Like, I'm, I'm one of those people that really enjoys absurd danger in games. You know, I guess I kind of, you know. Anyway, um, but like Dirt Rally or even things like Daisy, where it's all about the the what could go wrong. So I'm going to call out Isanona right now because he's the guy who oh, properly got me into, right? Like, he got me into Elite properly. I watched him before I started playing Elite and I was like, fuck, I need this in my life. Dude, Isanona with his old FA Off series. Oh, my heart. My heart. Right? But, like, when I play Elite Dangerous, I've played Elite Dangerous my entire, like, run through entirely on open. Just for that kind of feeling of dread. Like, any time someone could really fuck my day up, you know? But with this Anona, he has this enforced non uh insurance clause so he refuses <laughs> to take that insurance and he plays it with no flight assist and he has the most interesting interactions with other people and stuff and i just want to i just want to kind of lament a thing because right now i would love to play elite i would love to sit down and play elite without any barriers where i could create my own separate profile which is my hardcore profile which is like i can't if I die, I've got to take it on the chin. Oof. And I can't do that, which really sucks because I need to buy a separate copy of Elite and Horizons and Odyssey and blah, blah, blah because you can't make a separate save game. Man, I would kill for that right now. Nuzlocke game. Aaron, go for it. Oh, man, this is just bringing back some great memories. And I, I don't even really think I have any commentary better than just a couple things that I've done in Elite that I still do to this day just because of how much fun they are. But um, the one thing I used to do is the Robigo runs back in the day when you'd have to do the, um, the silent running and, and, and kind of boost your way into the, uh, starport. Mm. And that is, that is so much fun. I used to have a blast with that and it used to be good at making money. It's still not bad, but obviously it's, it's more for the experience than anything. And then the second one is the, uh, um, the SRV race that we had during, uh, kind of right before the dangerous games happened. And that was one of the best times I've ever had an elite. There was probably 30 people and everybody was kind of competing for their own player faction. And, uh, I did actually win that, but it, but beyond winning, it was just such a fun experience to have other, we had other ships shooting at us and it was just a great time. Beautiful. And Wolf close us out on this one. There's very few times when I sit down to play elite where I'm just going to go off on my own. I don't want to be in a wing or a crew, how it's called now. I don't want to talk with anyone. I just want to do my thing. Does that exist? Yeah, it happens from time to time. The majority of the time I want to play this game, I want to do it with friends. Whether or not we're all sitting around drinking, telling horrifically bad jokes, whatever. What are we going to do? I don't know. Whatever the hell we feel like. Going out and trying out smuggling and being Han Solo and just 
razzing each other like nothing else when somebody fucks it up? Absolutely. Great idea. Lots of different things to choose from. All goodness. Right on. That takes us to our next segment, which is going to be Tweaks Console Corner, which I think is going to take a little bit of a turn this week. Tweak, hit it up. All right. Well, I was flying around the other night, and I picked up a little bit of contraband while my way back to my home system, Paneri, and I tried to get out of my ship. I, I, I went to the door in my crate, and it was still locked. I can't get out, and I got kind of sad about it. So so I might have smoked a little too much of that onion head, and I think it might have been laced with something because uh, I had some trippy, trippy dreams. And, and check this out. This is version 3.5, the Prism's update. A visual overhaul for No Man's Sky. Explore new detailed cave biomes with volumetric lighting effects. Flying creatures can now become pets and be ridden. New rain effects refract light with surfaces becoming wet. Hair and fur rendering increased creature variety. Light is refracted realistically by glass and liquids. Photo mode has been improved to take even more awe-inspiring images. Thousands of distant stars are now visible in space and night skies. New warp effects show greater depth and detail. Screen space reflections allow new reflective materials. Many biomes have increased detail and draw distances. Particle effects have been enhanced. Space interiors have been improved with new reflective materials and lighting. Explore the universe like never before. Our journey continues. All right, Tweaked, hit it up. Tell us a little bit about this. And while you do that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, play your next thing in the background there, hopefully without sound. All right. So I started playing No Man's Sky, mainly because I needed a break. I needed something different, and I wanted to get out and walk around. And I've been putting it off for a long time because I don't really love the art design. I don't love the cartoony look and the arcadey feel of the flying. But I got to tell you, my first 10 minutes in the game, I'm running around shooting plants, trying to get mats, and I stumble upon a cave. And I walked into the cave, and there was all kinds of lights and different things. And I'm like, wait a second, there's caves. I thought that was hard to do. What? What's this? And then about an hour, two hours later, I had my broken up spaceship that they start out with fixed and I got up into space and one of my buddies from Ulfix showed up in a fleet carrier and what you're seeing is me walking around his fleet carrier. I got out of my ship in the hangar, walked through halls, onto the bridge, looked out into the stars and then continued walking around and all of this time I'm thinking wait a second I thought this was so terribly hard to do. I thought this could not be done. And I got to tell you, it's kind of fun. Uh, the way I'm approaching this, to me, Elite Dangerous is more like Star Wars, which is my first and biggest love. This, No Man's Sky to me, is more like Star Trek. 
So I'm just approaching it like it's not Elite Dangerous. It's chill. It's exploration. It's pretty sights. There's animals walking around. There's there's all kinds of just different things to see that you don't see in Elite Dangerous right now. Even with Odyssey. In Odyssey, we don't have caves. You don't have animals. All that kind of stuff. So... Uh, just look at those hallways. Uh, nothing fancy, but more than enough to make me pleased to walk around a fleet carrier. And, and it's just so far. I mean, I've, I've only got probably three, four hours into it, but I'm liking the changes. So we'll see what comes. I so, think it's going to be fun. Uh, can we play together on PC and and Xbox? We can and PlayStation Four, Five full all together. We can all play full crossplay. But tweak. Let me ask you a question. Does it have VR support? Uh, funny you ask. It does. It has full VR support, even walking around on ground. Uh, I know ship interiors are impossible to do. I, I heard a rumor, though, that in No Man's Sky, your fleet carrier that you have, your big super ship, like the little ship, you don't have ship interior because it's like a little fighter that you just hop right in the cockpit and go. But your big fleet carrier one, not only does it have an interior that we're seeing you run around in right now, but you can literally also sort of fully you can like uh what is was that game what is that uh, you can you can you can minecraft it where you like go in and adjust the floors and move stuff around and you can like build it up how you want huh yeah yeah it's kind of funny all the things that they have in that game it's it's blown me away in the short time and most of these if i'm not mistaken are free updates to this game uh for sure though they don't have planets that you can run around in with plants and animals and streams and rivers and water and all of that crazy nonsense and weather effects and whatnot right well funny i had animals running all around me i had rain coming down on my head i walked through a puddle or a lake or something with splashy sounds it's kind of amazed that everything that they do have available to us in that game that that's just these uh, that's our first love doesn't have and i literally saw you you posted some pictures earlier that you were sharing about your uh your fun stuff where you were saying that like you uh had uh come across alien life forms that were like sentient and you had the opportunity to like attack them or trade with them or help them or whatever like that's pretty crazy yeah yeah my first 15 minutes in the game i stumbled upon a i guess you'd call it a land base and i didn't know what was in it but sure enough i could walk inside it and there were alien npcs there that i couldn't understand a damn word they were saying but <laughs> i could interact with them it's just it's it's a it's a whole thing that I, i'm stunned i didn't think it was possible well i've bought uh no man's sky a copy of it for the members of the crew that that, that didn't already have it and we're all going to be hopping into it tweaked is the first to hop into it but we're all going to be hopping into it over the coming weeks as i put up a poll in the elite week discord saying that hey we're going to have um sort of do you want us to 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 only play uh, and talk about elite or should we expand into other things and the overwhelming majority of the people said they wanted us to expand into other things so we will continue to cover elite dangerous which is an awesome game and has lots of possibility but we will also be covering star citizen we will also be covering No Man's Sky. We will also be covering Fly Dangerous and other <laughs> projects that come up that we find interesting. So I hope that people that like space games and space stuff, you know, come and, and join in. Uh, come over to the Elite Week Discord. Join in on the conversations. We have channels for Star Citizen. We have channels for uh, 
you know, No Man's Sky. We have channels for other games, and we're going to sort of, uh, you know, expand into everything. And yeah, I see in the chat, we're not looking to change to No Man's Sky Week. We're not looking to change to Star Citizen Week. Uh, for now, we're Elite Week, but we are definitely expanding our coverage. And we might rebrand in the future, but for now, we are, uh, yep. Uh, uh, Roy, can you post, people are asking in the chat, can you post the Discord link? Um, yeah. <clears throat> for the Elite Week Discord. We're, we're looking to expand into all kinds of stuff. We're space game lovers, and we want to sort of scratch that itch. And Elite is definitely sort of still the first among many in my heart, but there's room for more. Uh, Juki, hop in on this. Well, I mean, first of all, I was going to say, like, where's my Fly Dangerous channel? Come on, get your shit together. We'll get it, for sure. <laughs> but, like, I had the similar kind of experience when I played uh, when, I, when I played No Man's Sky the first time. It's like I was on a, like, desolate lava planet, and I ran for cover in a cave, and I had that kind of similar moment of, oh my god, this is a cave. This is an actual cave. I cannot begin to explain how difficult caves are in a proc-gen planet system. Like, genuinely 10 out of 10 to Hello Games, they've really <coughs> done an amazing job turning that game around. Hell yes, big salute to them. Alright, and that takes us to a little segment of the show that we like to call Real Life Science Real Life Science Holy hell has this been a crazy week. We're going to start off with what we teased at the top of the show, which is uh, a little uh, insanity coming from our uh, politicians uh, in the state of Texas. Uh, listen in and enjoy a chuckle. From what's been testified to the Forest Service and the BLM, you want very much to uh, work on the issue of climate change. I was... Uh, uh, informed by the immediate past director of NASA that they have found that the moon's orbit is changing slightly and so is the Earth's orbit around the sun. Uh, we know there's been uh, significant solar flare activity. Um, and so is there anything that the National Forest Service or BLM can do to uh, change the course of the moon's orbit or the Earth's orbit around the sun, obviously that would have profound effects on our climate. I would have to follow up with you on that one, Mr. Gomert. Yeah, well, if you figure out a way that you in the uh, Forest Service can make that change, I'd like to know. So let's hit a couple of points here. First off, um, I didn't even know that my mom worked for the Department of Forestry Service or Bureau of Land Management, whichever one that lady was was at. Uh, number two, that is a United States congressman from the great state of Texas that is so fucking stupid that he thinks that how to deal with it being too hot in Texas is, hey, let's go ahead and relocate the moon or change the orbit of the Earth. I don't even. I. I. <laughs> what do you so, start with that, right? Not only one. This is a person that represents people. That is a quote learned gentleman that's supposed to represent people of his state. This person is so stupid that he should not even be allowed to operate heavy machinery. In fact, I would go so far as to say that that person should be chemically sterilized to make sure that his weak ass genes 
don't dilute the pool. But like, what the actual hell? And on top of that, when he says to the Bureau of Land Management, these are people that walk around in shorts with lanyards that make sure that, you know, brush fires don't happen. Hey, can you move well, the moon for me? Let me just go ahead. Oh, hold on, hold on. Let me just say... <laughs> If they can move the moon, that is some Dr. Evil shit, and those people need to uh, be found and killed, because I'm going to say that maybe, just maybe, the Bureau of Land Management for the state of Texas shouldn't get to decide where the moon is, even if they had the power to, which, again, unless you're Dr. Evil, I don't think you have that ability. So, let's go through from the top. And start with uh, Wolf Dragon. I think you had a very funny comment. You know, I distinctly remember watching this really awesome cartoon called Futurama, where they actually moved the Earth so they didn't have to keep dropping giant ice cubes into the ocean to cool the planet down. Um, oh. he, he knows that was a cartoon and it's not real, right? I think he's. I think he probably thinks that that was a documentary. Tweaked, you're up. Yeah, the best part of that video was her response there. I think if I were her, I would have been looking around for the hidden camera because, uh, wait, he can't be serious, right? This is this has got to be a prank. This this can't be real. A, a senator, uh, an elected official? Come on. Her response there was, the thing you do when a person who is super powerful is too stupid to live, and you can't say that to their face. Roy. You know, if I had to pick out a single shred of logic in this, I would go with, uh, follow me here. The Earth is made of land, and perhaps by extension, because we know, what was it, Thea crashed into the Earth and produced the moon. The moon is made of land, and she works for the Bureau of Land Management. So if you wanted to move the Earth and the moon, you'd talk to the person who manages the land, I guess. I mean, fair. If she has a little remote control to move that shit, though, that's going to scare the <laughs> hell out of me. Um, yeah, so that's a thing that happened this week. I, 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 I have no more words. Roy, why don't you take us to the next uh, issue? Yeah, in a recent interview on uh, Planetary Radio, uh, experimental cosmologist Brian Keating at UC San Diego Center for Astrophysics and Space Sciences uh, discusses, among a lot of other fascinating topics, uh, it's a great it's a great listen, the fact that the soon-to-be-completed Simons Observatory may in fact be able, through detection of microwaves, detect and discover conclusively Planet Nine. Uh, so that's super cool. Uh, the Simons Array is located in Chile's high Atacama Desert, uh, elevation 17,000 feet. We've got a link in the show notes. It's a great, uh, great listen. Absolutely. Check it out. Absolutely. There's an hour-long interview from Planetary Radio that uh, should be heard by everyone. Phenomenal. Not only was that a great, uh, you know, that the talk about Planet Nine, but that was just a small piece. He also talked about his book, Losing the Nobel Prize. He talked about sort of changing the way that a lot of science is done now. And, and he talked about the interesting things that basically uh, the thing that sort of cost him the Nobel Prize was space dust made for uh, uh, some of his uh, observations to not be doable for what he was trying to, the, 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 the experiment that he was trying to work. But it sent him on this whole like two or three year uh, journey of self-exploration in his life where he addressed the fact that space dust cost him the Nobel Prize sort of, but 
if it wasn't for space dust, we literally wouldn't have us. We, like, we are star stuff. This is a... So, it, it was a very cool, very science-y, geeky, but also kind of spiritual, interesting uh, conversation that I think needs to sort of be had right now, where it's, there's times where, like, it, something hits you and it doesn't hit you well. It hits you hard. But when you think about it in hindsight, you're like... Hmm, maybe there's good reasons for these things that are upsetting me just at the moment. Wolf! Yeah, so uh, we have a space policy update. NASA's 2022 presidential budget request. Biden's 2022 PBR, uh, it's fantastic. Over a 6% increase overall funding every active and planned mission. It's also going to expand coverage for Earth sciences and education, add funding for two new discovery missions to Venus that will complement each other in a detailed study of Venus. It's Veritas and Da Vinci Plus. In the history of NASA, they spent approximately $3.5 billion on Venus, as opposed to the $30-plus billion spent on Mars. These two missions will complement studies from the JAXA Agatsuki mission and ESA's Venus Express, as well as the old Soviet studies. Da Vinci Plus will be a sort of vastly upgraded version of the old NASA Pioneer Venus from 1978, but with much better modern capabilities and is going to be able to in situ answer the questions brought up last year about phosphine on Venus. While Veritas will be a vastly upgraded version of the old Magellan mission and giving us much better and more detailed maps of Venus as a whole, it will also study its volcanism. So Things Wolf, that are... Oh, I was going to say. So, Wolf, can you give us a list of some of the stuff that is funded or saved by this uh, by this uh, budget? Yeah, it's it, it's a long one. Uh, so we've got the Roman Space Telescope is saved. Europa Clipper, funded. Mars Sample Recovery, funded. Neo Surveyor, that is an Earth defense satellite. It is funded. Lunar Exploration Program, funded. Extraplanetary Surface Nuclear Power Plant Studies, funded. Viper Moon Rover, funded. SLS Block 1B variant, funded. CubeSats and Deep Space SmallSats, funded. Every Mars and Jupiter mission is now funded. And in the show notes, we're of course going to have a link to the PBR itself, as well as the Da Vinci Plus movie trailer. Um, th These guys took some notes from Hollywood. It is an amazing watch. Like, it, you want to get excited about looking at oh we're gonna send a thing to venus to see what happens yeah watch the trailer it's yeah, fantastic absolutely i just want to call out one thing in specific that whole list of things that are funded by this are amazing uh i know some people will say like oh we've got things that we need to spend money on the the, the whatever the, the the economy and this that, and the other i will point out that there have been multiple studies that show for every penny spent on nasa it returns tenfold back to the economy on advances in technology and i'm not talking about touchy feely we're trying to answer the the questions of the universe because they are but in addition to that they are advancing technology in a way that actually returns hard dollars to the u.s economy and one mission in particular that i want to call out here the neo surveyor that is a satellite that is being put up specifically to track near earth objects so that if there's something if you remember back a couple about a month ago on 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 real life science we had a segment where Roy talked about this war games that they did where they did a big what if of, mm -hmm. hey, if an asteroid is coming to hit us and we find out about it four months in advance, what can we do? And the actual sort of answer is, 
oh well, you could put your head between your legs and kiss your ass goodbye. But if we find it two years, three years out, there are real things we can do to save the human species. That is one of the long list that Wolf just read out. That is good shit. Woo! Roy, you had a thing <laughs> on uh, astronomers. Yeah, uh, yeah and uh, a new discovery. So they've... They may have just detected a new magnetar. Um, and you may think, well, like magnetars? We've heard of those before. What's the big deal? I had no idea. So few of these things have been found. So a new discovery could soon be raising the total number of confirmed magnetars to, get this, 25. You know, hundreds of billions of stars in our galaxy. We found only 25 of these things. They're a very rare type of neutron star which are, you know, you know, neutron stars, the collapsed cores of stars that started out with masses between 8 and 30 times the sun. Um, but as the name suggests, these ones have an insanely powerful magnetic field, around a thousand times more powerful than a normal neutron stars, and a quadrillion times more powerful than Earth's. Um, so there was another recent discovery that kind of brought magnetars into the spotlight. You may have heard of you know, mysterious uh, stars spitting out a super powerful radio signal called a fast radio burst. And these had previously only been detected from sources outside the, the Milky Way, and they didn't know where they were from. So now they're starting to, you know, connect these two things. It's a it's a great, great read. We've got the, the link in the show notes. Cool, cool stuff. Right on. And Wolf, you had something on that? Yeah, the whole... The whole concept behind a magnetar, you know, like the you look up in the sky, you, you see, you know, typically the main sequence stars and then the leftover remnants of, of post main sequence stars. Um, the the idea of, you know, what is a magnetar like that? That came out of scientists sitting down and, you know, just playing with the math and figuring out, you know, what is the art of the possible? And there's a laundry list of things. And this was just one of them. The fact that we are able to sit down with math and, you know, determine, hey, how does the universe work? And then once we have an idea of this is a thing we might be able to go find, go out and look for it. We found possibly 25 of them now that's fantastic and there's still much more about our universe that we don't know absolutely tweaked you had a couple of stories yeah the, the chinese did a thing a few weeks ago or so they sent up a rocket with some supplies because they've got a new space station up there and i believe it was thursday they they actually sent up the shenzhou 12th flight which was the china's seventh piloted space mission and the first to actually carry a crew, a crew of three, to the Tianhe space station rocketed orbit. And yep, they went up on Thursday and they're going to be staying there for about three months or so. So they sent supplies up first of probably a month or so ago, I think it said. And now they're sending these three astronauts up to the station to, to kind of set things up, to build a home up there. So hell first, yeah first people in their new station hell yeah huge salute to china they sent up that long march 2f rocket uh with mission commander nie Yasang, who's had two previous space flights mission specialist liu boming with one previous flight and mission specialist tang hangbo who this is his first space flight nine minutes and 40 seconds after separation from the launch or sorry after the launch they had separation of the rocket six hours later they successfully docked at tianhe station which means heavenly harmony uh yeah great stuff i want to send up a salute we often will call out people and say hey man these nasa astronauts are not american heroes these are world heroes by the same notion i want to definitely point out that uh nie hia shang liu bo ming and tiang hong bo are world heroes these are people that are putting it on the line for 
you know, fuck China, fuck America, fuck all countries and maps and all of these fake lines on the whatever. We're all humans, man. We're all mostly hairless monkeys that are trying to get off of this planet and get into multiple planets so that we can survive in case a big rock hits us. But like, it's beautiful to see humans of any, I don't care if you're from China or Russia or America or the UK. It's just, I want to salute all of the people that are doing amazing things in space. So big salute to you, China, for for that mission. And we pray that you three steely-eyed rocket men make it home safe after a successful completion to their mission. Tweak, your next thing. Absolutely. And I've, before I go to the next one, Kai, well done on those names. Very well done. Whew, I probably got them very wrong, but I've had a lot of whiskey. So <laughs> who here knows? All right. Next, we have the Strawberry Moon which is the last full moon of the spring or the first of the summer, depending on how you look at it. It's going to be appearing for three days from Wednesday early morning to Saturday early morning. Uh, the, the moon actually isn't going to be pink. Funny story with that. It's, it's called the strawberry moon, but it's not going to be pink. It's just going to be big. It's called that because, well, a couple of thoughts on that. It, one was it's strawberry season back when the Indians named it the strawberry moon because this time of year the strawberries would grow and and that's what they called it. Uh, others would think that it's this time of year, June, a lot of people get married so a lot of love is in the air so it's the strawberry moon for that. Uh, if you're like me and you're the parent of an autistic child, what it really means is make sure you got a few bottles of whiskey ready because your child's not going to sleep for a few days. Right on. So people can go. It's going to be at its strongest peak on June 24th in the afternoon. But I mean, obviously, it'll be most visible that night. So June 24th, go out and check it out. It is going to be the last supermoon of the year 2021. So go and check that out people show notes all of this stuff will be in the show notes um and lastly i want to call out a very awesome scott manley video uh that he put out uh this week he covered uh the fact that there's a 50 year old rocket literally the oldest rocket that has ever sort of been launched as far as uh he can figure and i think he would know that uh basically says that oldest in the sense of from when it was made to when it was launched they literally took a minuteman 2 rocket they took an old uh uh cold war era rocket that was supposed to send nukes to russia and instead they took the nukes off of it and they put a very cool satellite payload and they launched it and it worked big salute i love the idea of taking weapons of stupid and pointless war and turning them into scientific exploration and benefiting the good of all mankind in addition to that Roscosmos right now is putting on their big world seminar. They have people both physically and virtually from all over the world that are appearing. Uh, Roscosmos is the Russian version of NASA, and they uh, have been having seminars and doing all kinds of PR work. And as part of that, China and Russia have announced this week that they are going to be officially cooperating on a moon mission with a base on the moon. We know NASA is doing it. We know the Chinese and the Russians are doing it. I, I, I'm not for jingoistic, nationalistic bullshit of people that are sort of like trying to one-up each other for flag-waving, dick-measuring purposes. But 
if it will cause the politicians, the old sweaty men, to hand over money for scientific research on both sides, hell yes. Let's start another race to the moon. But this one is not just show up and take a few pictures. Both sides are looking to put a base on the moon, do science on the moon, expand our way out into the galaxy. Good stuff all around. I want to give massive props to everybody on all sides. This is good shit. Which takes us to our next segment, which is Commander to Citizen, a guide to helping elite commanders also enjoy Star Citizen. I want to address three questions, the three major questions about Star Citizen right up front because they need to be addressed. Number one, is Star Citizen a scam? The answer to that question quite blatantly and specifically is no, it is not a scam. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't feel scammed by it. It is a situation where this project has gone on for a long ass time. They've said it would already be done. I completely understand who people who say, I personally feel scammed by it. That is a completely defensible situation. That is a valid viewpoint, which you can hold. However, to say that the entire project is by its nature a scam, here's how I can prove definitively that that is not the case. They took a massive amount of money in at the start. They started development. They are continuing to take money in every year. They are spending, because their financials get published every year, they are spending a little bit more every year than they take in because they had a massive like $300 million sort of war fund to start off. If it was a scam, if I was a scammer and I took your $300 million dollars, and I wanted to be a scammer, I would close up shop and say, I'm out, I'm going to Barbados, have fun. I'm gonna find a place with no extradition, let's do this. They're spending more money than they take in, which means they are slightly losing money every year. Why would you do that if it was a scam? You wouldn't, you would do that if it's a project that you want to release someday because you feel that you will actually be able to recoup monies on your investment. Okay, second question. Are Star Citizen ship sales pay to win and are they predatory? Let's take those as two separate issues. Are they pay to win? No, because you can get everything that you pay cash for eventually, three months later, in a, um, what do you call it, in the next patch. Is it predatory? Absolutely it is. I do not defend it in any way. I think that it is bad. I think that if I had a company, I would not sell ships for cash. I do not defend it. However, I will point out that they are doing something unique and massive that has never been done before in a way that has never been done before. They have over 600 employees directly, plus four or five outside uh, uh, developers now. They're literally like, oh, we're hiring on with this company in Canada and this one in, in, in Austin and this one here and this one in Germany. And they're hiring people like, and they're saying, okay, you go make a bunch of planets. You go make this. You go make that. You go do this. All of this stuff costs a lot of money. So it has to come from somewhere. I don't like the idea of selling ships for cash. I think it's stupid and I tell everybody, don't do it. But... If there's a whale out there, if you've got some Saudi ballers that want to spend $40,000 on stupid big-ass ships, and as a result of that, it ends up funding 
your game to get made to get finally completed because you've made this stupid crazy complex beautiful weird thing that is overrunning every budget you can imagine <sighs> i don't like it but like i'll live with it me personally i'm not giving them any fucking money until the game comes out you can buy the 45 dollar package and never spend another penny on star citizen and you won't be able to get the brand new ships on day one when it's released. It's only people that use their credit card. But you will be able to get it three months later. Every quarter they release a patch. The stuff that you can only get for cash this month, three months later, you can get it for in-game credits. So if you're gonna let the whales pay for shit and you never come out of your pocket, in the end doesn't really hurt all that much i don't like it i'm not a fan of it i'm not trying to defend it but it doesn't really hurt you unless you're the idiot that uses your credit card to buy ships don't do that juki you had a point the whole star citizen paying to unlock ships frankly that can eat my asshole um that has kept me well away from star citizen i completely understand but like, I, I am genuinely tempted. I'm genuinely interested in, mm -hmm. in the game itself. But like, you, so let's be honest. You go on the website and it's like, hey, here's this amazing ship. It's only $300. And you're like, what the Don't fuck? Do <laughs> Don't buy it. <laughs> what, what is this? Don't buy it. You can, get it. you can get it in three months for in-game funny money and never touch your credit card. Only one time exactly. for $45. Don't exactly. buy any. That whole do not buy ships. That whole in-game thing legitimately scares the shit out of me. Like, you see that and you're like, well, is this what I'm fighting against or what? But the thing that really, really genuinely interests me, as from a developer's perspective, is that Star Citizen's using Lumberyard, which is Crytek's engine, which is Modified. a whole legal thing, and yeah, it's a mess. Mm -hmm. Well, that's been sorted. Uh, they, they, they settled that. That's all sorted. They did. They yes. did. But the interesting thing is that they are iterating really fast, really, really quick. And it's it's interesting to see this kind of discrepancy between the Cobra engine, mm. Cobra engine that the FDev uses, which is all homegrown. Now, on the, the surface of it, it makes a lot of sense when you're doing something like this to have your own homegrown engine. Mm. But that introduces a lot of cruft, a lot of interesting problems, and actually kind of uh, organizational problems, where it becomes a question of whether or not the people who understand the complex problems are still in the company, versus whether or not you have the engine to deal with it that is effectively somebody else's problem. Yep. And I've got to admit, from an outside perspective, even though like I looked at the the sort of effectively pay-to-win shit that's in there, and kind of went, nah, I'm good. Right. The amount of iteration, the amount of progress that those guys have made is really quite impressive. And I'm getting more and more interested in the Star Citizen ecosystem, if you will. And I, I'm never going to pay-to-win. But as you say, you pay your 45 bucks or whatever it is to get into the game and you play enough that you go, okay, cool. <coughs> but from what I've seen, they're doing really good things with it. And I'm interested how that's going to work out long term compared to Elite's strategy. I don't like 
that thing, I will not try to defend that specific mm -hmm. aspect. However, I will say this, they've hired a massive amount of people that are just cranking out content for one game. They have more people than Elite do than Frontier does altogether employed. And where Frontier is working on 12 different projects, eight of which you know and four of which aren't released that they're not talking about where they just say in their uh, forecast, an undisclosed future IP. Everyone that works at Star Citizen is working on Star Citizen. And I think that just, yes, Elite had a massive head start because they took some very smart shortcuts and were able to very shrewdly and very uh, 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 sensibly put out a product right away. Star Citizen is at the point now where it's catching up on Elite. And when you look at 100 employees that might be working on Elite versus 600 plus, plus like five other development companies that are all working on Star Citizen, where do you think the weight is going to actually go out eventually? So yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, the last thing, the question is, will Star Citizen ever come out? I feel like I just answered that. They are at the point now with 3.14 that is coming out in the next week or two. They have iCash in the system. Uh, coming out with 3.16 at the end of the year, they should have server meshing. At that point, they have two of the three holy grail pillars of getting the thing done. Like legitimately, it's at the point of being a real thing um roy um something that that is i guess become apparent to me in the last month because i was also one of these people that was really put off by star citizen solely on this issue of buying ships and stuff but since i've taken a break from elite i, I really changed my perspective on how i judge other space games versus elite and i really think it comes down to i'll use a, a i don't know maybe an awkward metaphor of monogamy versus polyamory <laughs> um elite was my forever game that's the only game i played for like 14 months and now that i'm taking a break from it it's like my my threshold of what i think is worth my time has changed like before if i was in the middle of uh i don't know a big long expedition or turning the wheel or whatever if i was going to play another game besides elite it had to beat elite on every single point point for point like there was always something that didn't match up now it's more like yeah, I don't. Is, was Star Citizen ever going to come out? I don't know, but it's got enough game loops that it's keeping me happy for what I'm doing now. And I'm and I'm not playing Star Citizen every day obsessively like I used to play Elite. Same thing with No Man's Sky. I was kind of put off, like Tweak said, by like the art. But then, now there's got some features that look cool. I'm going to try it out. It's it's a, just a different concept now where I'm just going to have a portfolio of things I play, and it it really lowers the bar on what these things have to do to to what previously would have taken to bust me out of elite absolutely and star citizen does already have a vr mod that you can use to play v full vr in star citizen it is not the official you know complete complete you know put out whatever done one but i have a friend who plays exclusively vr and says that it is a thing of beauty your mileage may vary i can't comment on that myself i can just tell you what a friend of mine said because he plays in vr and i do not so let's say there's a couple things now the next question is can my system run star citizen i have a link to the specific thing that shows the requirements they are not as bad as you think they are there's also on that page a hyperlink to a like a test setup where you can click it it'll run the test thing and it'll tell you like well here's how you, the frames you're gonna see here's this here's that it's well done and the last question is well no the next question is where do i start i have a link in the show notes that will show you how to sign up 
you can get the $45 package. You can also use my referral code, which will give you some like free money to start off with. And then it changes depending on when you hear this and when you pl- apply. Like some t- they, they normally give you a couple of free bucks, like 10000 5000 whatever extra dollars to start in-game. And it gives you like, oh, for this next quarter, it's going to give you this little speeder bike. It's like a little jet, like a speeder bike from Endor where you're flying around. Or, if the, oh, it's a golf cart looking one. Or, oh, it's a little this or it's a little that. It gives you a thing. It changes from time to time. Um, now, the next question is, what do you buy? You can start off with basically a couple of sort of choices. The first is if you want to go with the plain, no extra fighter start if you want to start by doing combat missions you want to buy the mustang it's the best of the two starter ships for that the second is if you say well i kind of want to do more general box hauler missions you want the aurora it's the best ship for that and then the third and i'm gonna say this is a caveat this is the only time while i will ever ever say maybe it's worth it you might entirely your choice want to up $20 to start off with like the $65 package, which is can get you the Avenger Titan. It is a better combat ship than the Mustang. It is a better little box hauler ship than the Aurora. It is an awesome little ship. You do not need to do that. But it's the only time where I will say, eh, that's your choice. If you want to start by upgrading to the Titan, it, it gives you just kind of a little bit of... It gives you the ability to start off the game at the very starter package going either which way. After you spend that $20 on the Titan, if you choose that, do not ever spend another penny on a ship until after they release the game. I feel... And this is my advice. You do whatever you want. You do you. But my advice is... And I, I don't judge other people that spend money on ships. That's your choice. You do what you want with your money. I'm not your father. But me personally, I'm not giving them money until they release a product. Once they release a product, if they like it, I've spent like $400 on ARCs in uh, Elite Dangerous. Because when they put out this product and I liked it, I said, here, I'm going to give you... I bought $100 worth of ARCs and then I bought a bunch of Midnight Black paint jobs. Because I vote with my dollars. If I like the work that you put out, I will pay you money as a attaboy. I'm not paying them money as an attaboy until they actually release the product. And then I'll decide. Maybe if I like the stuff, I'll I'll pay uh, whatever. I'll put $100 in and buy some paint jobs or buy a ship kit or buy a whatever. Because that's me saying, good work. Here's your little reward. Have a a cookie. Um, I wouldn't give them cookies until they release a product. That's your choice. Once you start, and we're going to go through this way heavy, uh, but I just want to just run through this really super fast once you start you're going to want to go to a refinery station and buy a cold suit and a hot suit the nabokov is the cold suit the pembroke is the hot suit we're going to go in detail on this next week uh hand tool you want to buy so that you can do a little hand mining and you need the mining attachment for the hand tool buy yourself a couple of meal bars and bottles of water and then set out on the universe You want to do a couple of box delivery missions to sort of just familiarize yourself with simple flight, map usage, uh, uh, takeoff and landing. Uh, uh, You don't get money for uh, doing... I mean, you get money, but it's shit money. Oh, I just want to clarify. When I say buy the cold suit and the hot suit and the hand tool, these are all things you buy with in-game credits. You're not buying them with cash cash. You're buying them with funny money in-game cash. Um... The, the box missions that you do, they pay shit, but 
that's not the point. The point is get used to taking off and landing and using the map and flying around. It's just sort of like an intro. Uh, do a couple of search missions for missing miners uh, if you if you want to start off on that because that'll send you to a cave and then you go in the cave and while you're there, you search for rocks and you mine stuff. And then you, you'll find a dead miner and you return the mission, whatever. But the, more importantly, it'll send you to caves where you can mine stuff and make some cash. Do a couple of beginner bounty hunting missions if you want to do the combat side and familiarize yourself with combat. That can actually pay really good money right now. So that's also a good generator of, of revenue. And again, we will go into much greater detail on that, but I wanted to sort of first hit the whole like, is it a scam? What about buying ships? Like, yes, you can buy ships. Don't do it. Whatever. Uh, Roy, you've got something and then we're moving on to the next thing. Yeah, one thing I would just add, because it, it was a whole lot more fun than I thought it would be, is break the law and get sent to prison. Prison's prisons a hoot. That's all I'm going to say. It's, a, it's just a, a fun thing, and I'm, it's really awesome how they've programmed it. Yeah, and I'm seeing somebody saying, does Star Citizen have full flight assist off? It absolutely does. Uh, Elite Dangerous has two choices, flight assist on or flight assist off. Star Citizen has a gradient, so you can literally like tune it down to where it's super strong Star Citizen or, or uh, flight assist on or like half flight assist on or three quarters flight assist on. You can turn that knob all the way down to zero, so it's zero flight assist, full Newtonian physics. That is a thing you can do. Um, all right. That takes us to our discussion topics. We're going to hit them fast. The very first one is how to implement VR Tier 1. Uh, I've, there's a link in the show notes to a video. A guy pointed out where uh, like you can literally just... Right now, in Elite Dangerous, you can use that little floating flat screen... You use a couple of tricks to do the camera suite and you can run around in full VR on the planet. It is uh, very, very cool. And I'm not a, a, a VR player, so it doesn't really do anything for me. In order for uh, Frontier to make that a full-on thing, they would need to, <clears throat> number one implement a way that you can put your like aim down sights your 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 reticle targeting reticle and whatnot on the screen but it would take a, just a little bit of extra effort to make that a full possibility i kind of know why they're not doing it because the video that i saw which we will like i said have in the show notes for you to look at it kind of looks very rough like it's like whoa i could see people you know losing their cookies over this yeah but like I think if you give VR people, players, the opportunity to see it for themselves and go, ooh, I don't want to do that, they'll be much less pissed off than if you tell them you can't. If you say, hey, man, you could do this. I don't think you really want to, but you could do this. And then they look at it for themselves and go, nah, I'm not gonna. They'll be way less mad at you, I think. And it would also start you on the way of sort of figuring it out so that you could... Mm, choose for yourself if you want to do it. And you could also get like a little better, like upgrade it, make it a little bit better. And maybe down the road, it it sort of turns into a better... Uh, uh, Juki, you had a point. Yeah, so you're talking about the VR in in like when you're walking around using the, yep. the camera setup. Yep. 
and I'm posting a link in the show notes right now so people can, or uh, in the YouTube rather, so people can sort of see that. Go ahead. So really, that's all that people are asking for mm-hmm. on a really basic level is to be able to see the normal screen as you would. Now, there's a whole bunch of interesting uh, problems that come out of that, like whether or not the UI works in VR and so on and so forth. But that's, that that kind of gets back to the point of being open with everybody and talking about like what the problems are and what is actually holding anything back, you know? Mm. Because if it is the UI that's causing a problem, then cool. Talk about that. Say that's the problem. But realistically, like, if people are happy with the most basic of implementation, where you can just put a VR, uh, a VR camera vaguely in the head of your player and go, okay, this looks cool. Come on, guys. That's, that's the most basic implementation that everyone was asking for, right? Yep. And just Dave uh, GG uh had the video like i said it'll be in the show notes it's already on the screen for people that are watching it live um it's rough it's not a thing that i think a lot of people would choose to go with in certain ways but it's a thing that certain people would choose to go with and i think that treating your customers like adults who can decide for themselves is probably the smarter so that takes us to the wait let me see because i got out to go link that is there anything else in the recording booth somebody that wanted to add some nope okay the next discussion topic is how to implement ship interiors tier one here's what you do you literally just do tier one is we're going to have a small ship medium ship and large ship uh interiors and here's how you do it small ships for the most part, you just run up the ladder and it puts you right into the cockpit room. Or you, uh, in something like an eagle, it would literally be the little t- front opens up and you cl- like climb up a ladder and get into the cockpit. That's all. That, there is no like other whatever. Um, medium ships are going to be, you know, you go to the elevator and it takes you to sort of a hallway. And right in front of you is the cockpit and right behind you is the rest of the ship. And you can literally set up three or four, you know, doors where you, it's like, you know, Star Trek or whatever. It's a little sliding door and it opens up and, okay, here's the module for this. Here's the module for that. Here's, you know, where my SRV is. Here is where my SLF is. Here is where my X, Y, and Z is. You can literally just have that. For large ships, exact same thing. It takes you to sort of a hallway. And in that hallway, right in front of you, is the cockpit. So you don't have to run around through your whole ship to use it. You can literally just get on the elevator and boom, you're right there. The cockpit is two feet in front of you. And behind you is the whole rest of the ship. For large ships, you're going to have you know sliding doors that lead to like sort of another elevator that takes you down a level or up a level or whatever to where you would have, okay, here's engineering section. Here's this, here's that. You could do that as a quick and dirty tier one. And then as you progress the game over the next two years, four years, eight years, whatever, oh, we're adding science modules. Oh, we're going to add this to engineering. Oh, we're going to add this to repairs. We're going to add this to damage control. We're going to, you can add gameplay loops and modules and things uh, modularly as it progresses. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here, but like I have put an enormous amount of thought into the most basic VR implementation that we're talking about right now. And I think the the most basic thing that people are talking about and what they would really love is to just be able to move around and see the cockpit on foot, right? Absolutely. 
Now, in VR, when you talk about the mechanics of it, it understands where within your room space mm-hmm. you are when you when you hit like f11 or whatever your default binding is for like reset mm-hmm. my head position to this thing that is where you're sat right and it is actually kind of trivial to understand in the game's context where your where your seat is yeah you basically when- can you can basically already move around in the cockpit in VR. The only difference is right now you would look over and see your commander still in the chair, but as a headless horseman. Exactly. You can you can if you use like uh, Open VR to move your room space around. You can actually move around your room and move move around the the cockpit and see all of the individual details right now if you're willing to put in that effort but the game already knows in the context of your room space where your actual seat is and really when you're talking about being able to move around your cockpit and look out the window and look at all the cool shit that's going on outside of the cockpit of the room that you're in which is really all that most people want right it's actually kind of trivial to go okay we're in the game mode of you want to sit down now we teleport you to a given position and then you can sit down the transition between seated and standing up isn't really that difficult on the grand scale of things and it would be so fucking cool to be able to get out of your seat and have a wander around your cockpit and look out the window as your like automatic uh you know landing gear or whatever is doing its thing i don't use auto thing if it wasn't uh, obvious mm. but that, god damn that would be so cool and it's really kind of easy pickings right now you know in a, in a time when fdev are kind of in dam- damage control this would be so so cool and so simple to implement yeah i mean the, i think the key is implement tier one and then expand on it later don't look at it and say well we can't even touch it until we have a hundred percent whatever and that's too much so we'll never ever do it the journey of a thousand steps starts with the first step roy i i, I like what both of you are saying I, I would even suggest there's maybe a tier zero i mean maybe tier zero is um like you said with the eagle the tier zero would be the same as what you said for tier one where it's simply the cockpit glass opens and there's a predefined animation that you see from first person or third person of you getting in and sitting down like you can't like pause halfway down the ladder or something it's just like you're going in and you're going out and it's a little animation for for ships that have steps going up the the landing gear maybe it just puts the blue circle at the top of those steps and you appear in the back of your cockpit and you get to walk to your seat or you could stand in the in the in the in the little room of your cockpit like that could be tier zero even for large ships because i think that and i think this is part of what juki was alluding to is like you can kind of solve for 60 to 80 percent of what people want with probably just that and this whole giant bugaboo about how do we map out you know where the cargo is and where the fsd is and like that feels like a giant monster the way um fdev has i guess been alluding to how much work it is that doesn't need to be the thing that you do first you could you could just have the getting in and out of the ship and walking around the cockpit i think that would satisfy a lot of people as a as a really cool advancement yeah i I agree with that i i would contend to go as far as to say very few of us care about seeing the fsd and all the different modules we just want to walk around the cockpit want to walk down a hallway out the door i just don't 
that they just seem to refuse to do anything like that. Oh. They could very easily just have a the, the elevator in the cockpit. You know, you go out that door and boom, there's your elevator to get outside. Here we are. I mean, I definitely want to see all of those things, the modules and the FSD and all that. But I would happily take step one, step two, step three with the idea that maybe step five is all of that extra whatever. But I, 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 I just, you know, give me something. Let's start and then we'll expand on it. Juki, and then you're gonna we're gonna close this one out. That's cool. So yeah, exactly that. Like most people just want the ability to vaguely maneuver around their own shit and look out the window. I honestly don't think most people give a damn about looking at the modules and stuff and making sure that everything is like within the confines of the size of the ship and all of that rubbish. I mean, yeah, that's cool. If you can add actual gameplay to going down the corridor and putting out a fire or whatever, but I, I really don't see that as as an Im imperative thing they need to worry about. It's all about the physicality. It's a simulation at the end of the game, right? It's like Euro Truck Simulator, but in space. And that's all it's ever really been, is all about what grounds you in reality, right? Absolutely, absolutely. All right, uh, last point on the, on the discussion topics is this. If David Braben called me right now and said, what do I do to fix Elite now? Here's the answer that I would give. And this is hey i'm just a drunk asshole who, who knows maybe whatever but like here's what i would do uh number one i would have the the development team in four groups uh you would have a story team which would be small you would have a uh central game dev team which would be larger you would have a uh um asset team and you would have a tiger team so story team couple of people they keep the story alive they keep the the universe going um you know have constantly stuff going on in there uh, and i'm going to explain a little further what they do in just a second central game dev team come up with specifically things to do where you say like okay we're gonna do ship interiors we're gonna do vr we're gonna do crossplay. we're gonna do the big things. Now, to start off with, you need to have a couple things of, we're going to fill out something meaningful on exploration because we gutted that to get this EDO out the door. We're going to do something meaningful with uh, uh, scavenging because we gutted that to get EDO out the door. So start off with a couple smaller, concrete, discrete things you could do. And then later have, but, but I don't, Elite has been doing this thing. Frontier has been doing this thing for a while where we completely cut off everything to focus on one thing. And then we jump, cut off everything else to jump back to this other thing. If you're doing a game as a live game, as a live service, you kind of have to separate your stuff and do a little of everything all at once. So the story team needs to never stop. The central game development team needs to never stop next is assets and what do i mean by assets i mean new ships new srvs new guns new hats new uh you know paint jobs new skins for this new skins for that all of the stuff a lot of which can be sold can be you can monetize you can make money um so again that team needs to be constantly working whatever and then the tiger team 
the Tiger team is sort of, these are your floaters that can go around onto the other three teams. Part of the thing that the Tiger team should be doing is working with the story team where the story team says, hey, we're going to build out this story. It's not just words that goes on Galnet. It should also be, okay, we're going to actually put an installation. We're going to take an existing asset and put it in this place and give it a storyline hook. We're going to take uh, use ProcGen and make you know these type of plants occur in a bunch of places and tie it to a storyline where people have to go out and like look for this particular kind of plant because it's needed to help as a medicine for an outbreak or it's it, it can be synthesized for a purpose for a whatever that you could use that with the story team uh the sometimes the tiger team will be if there's a massive crunch to work on a specific uh 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 like hey, we got to really try to nail this, uh, you know, ship interiors or this module or that module. They will work on that and help develop assets or help develop whatever. Um, sometimes they will literally just be, like I said, in the background, randomly throwing shit in the galaxy. If we have 400 billion star systems, okay, I understand where sometimes people say like, well, that's a lot of star systems, but there's nothing in a lot of them. So it feels sort of boring and repetitive, so I don't go. I think if they use ProcGen, and they create assets of a certain type of plant, of a certain type of, you know, there's a llama on this planet, or there's a this on that planet, or there's a whatever on on this planet or that planet. Every star, every one of the hundreds of billions of star systems should have something. If you go to a whole solar system, a whole star system, you should find something cool in that star system. You know, it, sh it should be something, something at least. Uh, oh, there's a cool star. There's a cool rock. There's a cool whatever and you know the game loop guys they might be working on okay archaeology or mineralogy or some nasa type shit that's cool and interesting and fun they may be working on hey we're going to develop this new alien race that you deal with that they don't instantly shoot at you you find them and they're refugees and you need to help them you need to you know they whatever you, you find a a, a a thing somewhere like just fun interesting game loops and 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 the asset group they should be putting out churning out constant constant uh, content and it should be monetized it should be here's a new you know skin for hey the the the, the, the asset team and the game loop team together worked on getting ship interiors and now this other group is going to be churning out hey do you want uh you know this color bed in your ready room do you want this uh, uh lights at the bar or this trophy that you can put up well it costs arcs to get it and generate money for all of this but those are the four teams of development that you need to get going you need to number one do a full mea culpa you need to have and nobody else david braben you need to have david braben on camera do a long talk i'm talking an hour long talk where he says hey look in the kickstarter days we talked about doing this and this and this and this and these were beautiful ideas this was close to 10 years ago some of it we found out the reality of it is it's a little harder to do we're going to have to sort of make some realistic grown-up decisions i don't think we might be able to do this and this right now but we can look to do this first and then this next and then this next and i'm not talking by a day i'm not saying hey we're going to give you this in 2021 and this in 2020 but just say this these are the sort of revised this is the state of where we're at now this is what we're looking to put out this is how we're going to 
transition from A to B. Don't just go around saying no to everything. Acknowledge the fact and own up to it that you literally like, hey, we put this out and it had more than a few problems. It had a lot of problems. Don't, I mean, yeah, run it by a lawyer to make sure you don't say anything that gets your ass in trouble, but own up a little bit more, but just like stay shy of the line of legal issues. But like people will appreciate it and then get to work. I don't care what your communication plan is. If you don't put the work behind it, it's going to ring hollow. And having a guy go out there and saying, let me tell you the truth. I'm so honest, honesty, honesty. That's not going to get you anything. It's just pissing people off. You need to actually put in the work. All right, let's go around for the top and let everybody respond to this one. I see that Aaron had a dot in first, so you go for it. Thanks. Yeah, I've. I really like your 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 uh, comment about how to divide the development team up, and I think that's a pretty good suggestion. I, I really just have two quick things that I think are less structured, but also more imperative in the short term. I think right now they really need to to do a full stop look at what the player experience is right now and what is going to make it easy to play the game, because there are so many things that that I as a player and I know thousands of other people have right now where you'll be playing with a buddy or you'll be playing by yourself and you'll hit a bug and it just ruins your time and you're like you know what i'm done i can't play anymore today they need to iron these things out things like disconnecting when you're in a team with somebody and you jump into super cruise things like getting stuck on a settlement and not being able to move there's all these things that they need to fix right now before doing any of this other crazy stuff or or you know tweaking visuals i know that's important and it definitely should be a short-term thing but the most important thing is make the game playable for people right now and the second thing i want to say is that frontier has still held on to this issue which has been which has been there from the start and that's that they they refuse to take ideas from other developers that are good and it, it really comes down to reinventing the wheel and so i think frontier has this tradition of basically looking at at other games that are successful and saying oh we can't do that because they're already doing it when every player in elite is saying no this is a great idea and so it's like a car developer saying i'm going to use square wheels on my car just because everyone else is using circular ones and it's it's just crazy. So I think if they if they get away from that and they continue, and they have done some good things to do that, but as, as long as they pursue that in, in the long run and do smart things instead of just trying to be different, I think we're going to see a lot of improvement. I would I really liked what Kai was saying about you know staffing up and creating teams. I, I, I kind of look at this from a corporate strategy perspective, and I think generally speaking, if, if Elite wants players to treat Elite as their forever game that they play almost exclusively, then they need to create a business model that supports it and recognize that they no longer have a monopoly. Um, Star Citizen and No Man's Sky are now quote unquote good enough to be considered by players to try out whenever Elite stumbles. And every time players wander to check out those games, it erodes Elite's monopoly. I would also suggest that the content creators are the canaries in the coal mine. As more creators grow their portfolios, they will in turn draw more players into those games who might otherwise have stayed focused on Elite. So it, I think it really requires a, like a, a top-down redesign of their entire business. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I couldn't, absolutely. couldn't agree more. I, I think they need to absolutely devote more developers, more story writers more everything to elite dangerous if they want this to continue i realize that the jurassic world evolution game is their quote-unquote biggest hit elite dangerous is their longest running success and it can stay that way what they really need just to cut it up short more than anything is content 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 and not every five six seven years every six months drop a new patch of and charge whatever. for it charge a couple bucks charge, yeah yeah 
absolutely charge me for it. I'll pay you for it. If you're dropping me new content every few months or so, absolutely charge me for it. I'm fine with that. Just give me things to do in this game. There's There's been plenty to do for my 4,000 hours. I'm out. I'm, I'm running on empty right now. And I'm just seeing all these other games, No Man's Sky and Star Citizen in particular, not only catch up, but in many ways surpass Elite Dangerous. And in many ways, Elite Dangerous is still ahead of those, too. But it's not going to stay that way for much longer. But if and they turn they it just, around, they, they can get it back. They can. Absolutely. Absolutely. But they have to They have to devote themselves to do it. And that's going to cost them money and time. And I don't know if they have the desire to do that. Absolutely. Uh, Juki. All right. Well, I'm going to offer the contrary to okay. that particular position. And also, Mark, if you are listening, on the off chance, my friend, uh, you're kind of right, you need engine developers. But anyway, I think personally that handcrafted stuff is, is amazing, it's awesome, but I think that user-generated content is kind of the thing that is actually really missing from Elite. Now, what I would say is that the economy is sort of the platypus of elite it is this kind of ridiculous thing that everyone sort of understands is this universal concept of what the background simulation is but really there are lessons to be learned from eve in this regard mm. where the economy can really sort of push the game forward in terms of what the users <coughs> want from it Oh, yeah. Because the economy, when you talk about EVE, you're talking about you buy a weapon, right? You buy a weapon at a station. That weapon has been transported there by a player because of demand, because of market demand. And that weapon was transported there under insurance that has been insured by a different player, mm -hmm. right? And that weapon has been constructed at a refinery that is controlled by a player that has hired Helping Hand to fight against pirates. Like, there are so many layers here where very basic user-generated content really genuinely could be the savior. I, I think when you look at Elite as it stands today, it's very bland in terms of its background simulation i think the background simulation is the key to unlocking the potential of a lot of elite in terms of piracy in terms of hiring helping hands and insurance and moving things around the galaxy i think that adds so much to the game so many layers that we don't have right now absolutely and keep in mind that that refinery actually only was able to make that module because of the minerals that were put in by someone that mined it 100 percent exactly player exactly. player means of production and trade are absolutely the future uh all right which takes us to wolf close it out brother i'm gonna go a slightly different way with this and uh i'm trying not to sound like the the oracle of doom and gloom because i'm not frontier you've You're at a precipice. You've had a little bit of a misstep here. You've got a player base that loves your game, that loves you to the core. Yeah, some of them are upset. Got it. There are things in the game that we want that we've been telling you we want. There's been things in the game that we've been doing that we've been coming up on our own that have created tremendous player interaction, engagement, and drawing more people to the game. You've lost a lot of stock, both amongst people 
and a month's cash. You have undoubtedly got investors banging at the door wondering what in the hell is going on. You have competition from multiple vectors that you didn't have before. You can still pull this out. You can still make everything right, quote unquote, make everything good, make the game what you wanted it to be, the way you want it to be, and how we need it to be so that we can play it right. The ball's in your court. It always has been. Just let us play with the ball. Oh, yeah. Uh, Roy, say goodnight to the beautiful people. Walk casual, fly dangerous. Right on. Tweet, say goodnight. Hope everybody had fun. Thanks for spending some time with us tonight. Shashmak, nanu nanu. Juki, say goodnight to the beautiful people. I mean, let's be honest. I'm going to say fly dangerous to all the good people. <laughs> Absolutely. Aaron? Thanks for uh, letting me on the show. I had a great time, and I uh, hope everybody has a, has a uh, good night. Absolutely. Wolf? Tonight's accuracy debuff has been brought to you by 6 and 20 Distillery. Hells yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right, everybody. I love you. Be well. Uh, I'm going to say this. If your kids are in the room, pause this now. Send them out. And then uh, uh, my closing song is my hero, uh, Warren Zevon, who, uh, yeah, this is dedicated to Frontier. I hope you listen, and I hope you learn, and I hope you act. doctor and said I'm feeling kind of rough let me break it to you son your shit's fucked up I said my shit's fucked up mm, I don't see how he said the shit that used to work won't work now to hell yeah my shit's fucked up has to happen to the best of us and the rich folks suffer like the rest of us it'll happen to you Shit's fucked up. Fucked up.